Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Rand Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. Palindrome. It is a palindrome. And that's, I guess, your name this episode. Isn't it palindrome? Palindrome. Yes. Uh, and have we got an episode for you? That's Jason, Angel, and Palindrome who have an episode for you. It's an anniversary episode at that. Um, this weekend marks nine years of podcasting. So when you see our title of Game and & Watch and & Talk on wow. your podcast app, it's not just because we have impressions of the device, which, yes, we do. It, but it's also because we are giving away one of them at the end of the show in celebration of that anniversary. Can you believe, Angel, it's been nine years, and Kevin, you've been throughout that on and off? <laughs> but I can that's hardly crazy. believe it. We have more podcast years than there are Pokemon generations. Or is it finally caught up Yeah. Now? That's true. We have as many, as I put on the uh, Roundtown Twitter the other day, we have as many podcast uh, years as there are worlds in Mario. Typically. Well, most of them, but yeah. Typically, yeah. 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 It's kind of crazy. And Kevin, you've been there for, at this point, what, like a uh, quarter of them? A fifth of them? Mm, no. You've carved out your own little... Like a, a sixth of anything. Oh, that's true, because you you've only been here for like a year and a half, yeah. plus a few smatterings, yeah. But still, that's you know that's that's a multiple of three, which nine also is. So words, yeah. <laughs> so something to be said there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Wait, so we so have. You, um, so you think you hmm. haven't been on at least fifty episodes? I don't think he has. No, I've been at least on twenty five, twenty six, somewhere around there. Are you including the two where you were the third chair, like one off? Because the first time you're on was like 2014 or something. I've been like on 30, like 30 episodes. Okay. I have no more than 30 episodes. No, le- no less than 25 episodes, no more than 30. Well, soon it will Pretty be narrow the window majority. Pretty <laughs> Which would mean... But you've been way. on 100% of QC. Yes, true. <laughs> That's totally so true. Let's make QC every other weekend. <laughs> That's Quarantine Chronicles for those that would have been weird our sub show. Yeah, that would have been weird if we did did end up having an episode or not one time, and then it wouldn't have been. 100%. Oh yeah, but yeah, but uh, but we kept that hundred percent record. But yeah, yeah, so this episode um, is game and watch stuff because uh, it's out and it, we're giving one away. Uh, but in between, and so the start of the episode is going to be you know our impressions. The end of the episode, stick around for how you can win your own. And between all that game and watch stuff. Uh, we're going to be revisiting the Star Fox series, specifically Star Fox 64, which has been a hot topic of debate for basically all nine of our podcast years. So we're finally going to sort of see that through, and well, uh, we're going to also we're going to do the first part of seeing it through. We cannot, we can't. I don't know what that means. What? I don't know what that means. The first part. Well, yeah, we obviously can't see it all through until we actually play Assault as well. We can't just play 64. So I feel like this week, well. Figure out Star Fox 64. All right, well, we'll see through the 64 maybe next week, side well, of the equation. Maybe in two weeks we'll have played Assault, and then we'll be able to just combine our two impressions. Nonetheless, after nine years, we're finally putting our money where our mouth is about Star Fox 64. Finally. So we'll be doing that. And uh, we're also going to be discussing some other stuff like uh, Switch's near-record October and some not-so-savory moves on Nintendo's part involving games that people already own. Uh, some weird stuff they've done this past week online. Plus, we're going to have thoughts on the nominees for Sears Game Awards. So it's a it's a pretty hearty episode. And there's going to be timestamps around Nintendo.com, as always. Uh, so let's just get going with what else, what we've been playing. And what we've been playing is, as I already sort of alluded, the Game & Watch. Uh, leading the charge here is the new Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers system that Nintendo released last Friday. It's clearly the single most important gaming hardware released at all this month. I mean, I can't think of anything else. Uh, and Angel, you, after some shipping delays, you just got yours Saturday. 
So, yeah. right? Like, you literally just got it. So what were your first impressions? Because you've had basically a, a little time to sit with it. But how are you How are you liking it so far? Uh, I mean, pretty impressed with it. I mean, I just based on images and videos and some descriptors, it could, I mean, it met up my uh, it met up the expectations I had for it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, buttons feel good. Like, device feels... I mean, it's obviously like a lightweight plastic device, but... I don't know, it has that Nintendo sturdiness. Like, it just it just feels nice. It's a nice little collectible. Like, I love the color scheme, but it's like a classic color scheme that we know has worked in the past for Nintendo. Although, like to be micro. fair, the front is like a brushed metal-y sort of material. Like, it, it, it's not metal, but it's like a metal-y. Like, it, 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 it is plastic. Maybe but aluminum. It feels, but, uh, maybe. But, yeah, it, it it feels quality. And, like, it's, it's brushed, so there's no fingerprints. Like, it, it's... They did a good job, yeah. And I'm pretty impressed with the screen as well. Like, a lot of people... Yeah. Or at least I've seen, like, a lot of people report that they see a lot of ghosting. But I feel like I don't. I feel like when I'm playing Mario 1 or Mario 2, it looks perfectly fine. Like, it, mm-hmm. I'm just impressed, like, how sharp it looks. I mean, even though it's super tiny, um, I feel like I have no problems playing the game whatsoever. Like, it just feels nice. Like, I could actually see myself trying to beat Mario, like, all of Mario 1 and 2 on this thing. Or I feel more it, inclined to do so than on the other consoles for some reason. But the the whole yeah. thing, to your point about like how the screen feels, the whole thing kind of reminds me of Game Boy Micro. Like it's basically like a a budget Game Boy Micro, and I'm saying budget, not cheap, because none of it feels it's cheap. Also much like bigger the, than the Micro right? or it's the Micro. Uh, it's a, it's it's a little bigger. Um, it's not hugely different, screen but the, the whole like oh, the screen is a bit bigger. Yeah, but um, Whoa. or no, maybe the screen's smaller actually. I don't know, but in terms of the quality of the screen, like, you get this tiny device, you expect it to be kind of a cheap screen. Like, it is an LCD screen, so, you know, if you hold it from certain angles, or if you try and prop it to look at the clock laying down or something, like, it doesn't have the best viewing angles, but, like, head-on, it's really crisp and bright, which is exactly how I felt about the Game Boy Micro, where, like, you can hold it weird and it doesn't really show a good screen, but if you look at it head-on, it's surprisingly crisp and compact, and this kind of reminds me of that. And even, like... Like, the D-pad on this thing is, like, a legit D-pad. It's pretty much the same as the Micros, actually. The only thing that's, like, different are the buttons are all rubberized on this, which I don't think Nintendo's ever done on a traditional system of theirs. But on their like game watches? I, that's, I, I, that's what I just said. Traditional system opposed to their one-offs. Like, you know, the individual game watches. Oh, well, but, I mean, when you say um, traditional systems, I just imagine, like, a whole line of other things besides game watches. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They... they what else That's exactly what I was saying. I don't think they've done rubberized buttons on any of the regular handhelds, just these one-off Game & Watch, just the Game & Watch dedicated devices. There we but go. besides that, it feels like a regular Nintendo hardware, surprisingly. Uh, Did you notice how loud the speaker was, too? Like, it's actually... Yeah. No, it can, than... Yeah. It and, and again, like, another thing that I was kind of like, huh? Like, a lot of people, like, I didn't... There were a few impressions where I read where they were just saying that as they were playing, that their left hand covers a speaker... But mm. it's pretty high up there. I feel like, I mean, there are no shoulder buttons, so there's really no reason why your finger should ever wrap around the top. If anything, mm-hmm. I find it more comfortable not to do that. But I don't know, maybe some people just can't help but hold the sides, I guess. But I don't know. Speakers aren't blocked by your hand as far as I can tell, unless you're really going out of your way to do so. Right, yeah. I, I do think it's, um, it's kind of funny because I feel like the game watch, it's like, I don't think – I mean, it is really nice, but I don't know if anyone went in expecting it to be – like, like I don't know if the hardware – like, 
like you know here's this device it's small and compact it like has that brush metal feel and all that it's just like it, yep that that's the hardware like it does what it needs to do but it is like surprisingly good at what it like they, they did a good job with it it doesn't feel cheap but uh, i do have one nitpick though Uh-oh. that usb c to a cord it comes with is really short like i've been okay. using it as an actual clock at my desk when uh, working from home here uh, and I have a P, a tiny like Dell PC tower, and I turn it sideways, and I put it on top of it, and the USB cord can reach from the front USB to it sitting sing directly above. But you know, this is a standard like Dell mini tower thing. The cord doesn't reach the back USB. I can't run the cord behind it. I can only have it sitting in front because the cord is like so short. It's like maybe I don't know, uh, eight inches long, ten inches long. Like it's a really short cord. Which just seems like if there's one thing that makes it like cheap versus budget, I would say it's that tiny, tiny cord that really doesn't go very far. Yeah, but it's a minor but I mean, nitpick. It, but in their defense, like and for and kind of an unfortunate thing, um, it's not really designed to be some something that's plugged in all the time. Mm-hmm. If I feel like if they did, they probably would have given us a longer cable. If anything, I'm kind of bummed or a, a little that. If anything, I'm bummed a little. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a little bummed that there isn't a, like, no sleep option. Like, yeah, sure, like, the battery will die constantly if it's just on all the time. But I kind of wish it would just be able to do that instead of it going to sleep automatically it, after, like, it, three minutes. It can if it stays plugged in. That's yeah, exactly. Unless it's plugged yeah. in, which yeah. does make the cable kind of a problem sometimes. But Yeah. And yeah. and I understand why. Like, the cable's kind of weird because it's on the side, which I understand because if you put it on the bottom, then you have to have a stand, and they're basically making it so you can rest this thing on anything and have it as a clock if you want. But yeah, then the short cable kind of goes directly against that, like, thought process. So, But I mean, you, it, it's a standard USB-C cable, so you could really replace it with any. And I, I guess it's better than the 3DS where for a while, or the 2DS where for a while their Nintendo didn't give you any cable. So it's a step well, in the right direction, but... What? No, if you oh, get a if you get the new two. Oh no no no! no I know it's just like because everyone has a cable, so it's like yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah! It's like the iPhone situation, yeah. But yeah. so it is nice they at least gave a cable. But um, but I, I no, no yeah, I was just making a joke about the whole. But that's the thing like what you don't have smartphones. Oh yeah 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 yeah! I mean that's Wait, kind no, of that's, the that's Nintendo thing too. That was whoever it was that made um. What well, is also up. Nintendo? Oh Diablo! Oh, it was Blizzard! It was Blizzard! <laughs> there we go. Right, right. When when they announced the mobile Diablo, Diablo, Diablo. Is that what you're yeah, yeah, that got that went over like a level in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because I was just saying a second ago, like you know, it's not a whole like the hardware is the hardware, which is true. But I, I guess, um, I guess what we should focus on somewhat, at least what I kind of want to focus on, uh, like what actually interests me more about the game and watch is sort of like I hate to use this term because it sounds like so fake academic, but like honestly, like the thesis statement of sorts of the device, like and on the surface. You lost me I know, no, but why does it say is like on the surface, like this is a Mario thing to sell more Mario, right? Like I'm sure the components aren't expensive and these games were coded decades ago. But I feel like everything about the device feels built for people who already know this era of Mario, like the back of their hand. Like, you know, like on the like in the way that the classic edition of the NES and the Super Nintendo a few years back were both like a quick and a quick way for Nintendo to print money but also a way to get lapsed older fans to buy it and maybe show their kids some of their gaming history. I mean, like, literally, the Super Nintendo came with two controllers in the box. It was designed to be, like, a multiplayer thing. Um, this gaming watch, by comparison, kind of feels like a personal device for older fans to have or put on a desk or a shelf, like what we're actually doing. Like, cause, Are you putting yours on your desk, too, or am I... Well, like yeah, like at work. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like it, it's weird. It's, they have time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like it's interesting because it's like it, to me, it's kind of like the DSi to the classic editions Wii. Like the Wii was this communal gaming experience machine, and the DSi was built as this personal device for the individual that you're just buying for yourself as a little thing. And I feel like this is basically the classic edition equivalent of that. So like with that idea. If you look at like everything they did in it, it actually gets kind of interesting because there's some like unexpected features they added. Um, we'll link to a list on the blog post uh, for folks who maybe don't plan to get the Game and Watch or don't end up winning one from us later. Uh, but I'm referring to stuff like never before in a Mar in this in the original Mar have they given you the ability to choose which world you want to start when you play. All you do is you press B at the start screen and you can pick any world like a dev menu. They never gave you the option before to have unlimited lives if you want and to just sort of make, like casually explore the game. You can <laughs> do that if you press A on this. Definitive edition? In a way. But it's like, it's like for me, if you were presenting someone with a new game, like a game you haven't played before, you wouldn't tell them, go to any world, it's fine, or like here's how to bypass any sense of challenge. Like some recent Nintendo games did stuff, you know, like the Super Guide, um, but undercutting all the progression – like these feel like features that, yeah, they're like a definitive edition or they're given to someone who knows what they're doing. It really feels like a kind of lightly skinned like dev mode or something. And, you know, there's other little changes they made. Like if you beat the original Mario on here in the NES version, you unlock a harder mode. And that stays there until you power off the system. In this one, if you unlock the harder mode, it will just permanently be there. So it's like tiny little tweaks in here and there, and they're barely features on their own. And, you know, compared to an emulator, there's less of them. Do you just turn yours on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but as I say, there's, I have my, my clock running right next to me too. But um, on their own, these are barely features. And, you know, like emulators, they offer rewinds and fast forwards and save states and what have you. But there's just something I just sort of find, like, kind of interesting, charming about how, like, the Game & Watch approaches it. Like, it, it, it really is like, all right, you know your Mario, so here's just, like, a key of the kingdom. Like, do whatever you want. Play it however you want. Go in however you want. Skip ahead. Don't have lives. Jump to hard mode. Doesn't matter. You know the ins and outs of the game. This is for you, that type of fan who knows that. And where that really shines, I think, is in the time mode. Because, you know, there are those 35 different Easter eggs that they keep talking about. And and once you turn off that annoying second clicker, like every second when you have the sound on in time mode, because like, burp, 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 burp. But once you turn that off, it's actually like a really nice little clock. Like... The time is appropriately big and bold. You can choose between different level backgrounds uh, by pressing time repeatedly or different uh, clock. I didn't know this till last night. If you hold down A and B on the clock, you can actually change the uh, blocks for the clock. So it could be normal Mario blocks, flashing blocks, coins, um, stuff like that. And it's just kind of fun to have a clock that when you glance at, there are like different things happening. And, and you know, the charm again comes from you knowing your Mario, like having a Monty Mole pop up at set time or – a thwomp make its way down like when it's eleven eleven, it comes down the vertical corridors of the ones like those are neat little fan service nods and you know every so often mario may climb a vine into the sky and get some coins or he may go down a warp pipe and go swim in the water for a few seconds like there's always something happening and um even as like the seconds go by you know mario's looping through uh dodging enemies or bopping on them or grabbing power-ups and 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 like sure any kid or adult that knows a bit about mario is going to get it it's like oh he got a star i understand that but some of the references are pretty deep cuts like if you hold down a on the time mode for five seconds it launches into the how to draw mario song in any one of the different languages which um for those who may not remember i certainly didn't remember uh the how to draw mario song is from flip note studio on the DSi and the 3DS way back in 2008. 
It's a 12-year-old song. It was in a like side project that's barely Mario related. Yet here's a nod to the most like hardcore of the core fans. I absolutely love that they spent the time to actually program in a simple little like Easter egg where you just hold down a button and then the song pops up. And then they proceeded to get the language options reversed in German's French and French is German. But we'll excuse that because it's still cool. And now you know <laughs> but, how to um, Mario, right? You're like a pro. Yeah, you do. You make like an egg and then you make like two little things. And I don't know the lyrics, <laughs> but I'll, I'll definitely learn them and then draw Mario. And it'll still look awful. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, actually. I mean like – what? Looking forward to that actually. Yeah, I, I should do it and I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll follow the song. I'll draw the picture and then I'll tweet it out as my masterpiece. So stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, I haven't – you know, talked about all this. I haven't even touched on the stuff like uh, you know, if you're using the clock unplugged as you mentioned, um, after three minutes of inactivity, it does turn off. But it doesn't just turn off. It, the Nintendo created five entirely new like throwback 2D Mario illustrations that show them napping or eating depending on the time of day. Like everything about it, even the packaging just feels so fan servicey to like a certain type of – a fan that's into like Mario history, like the the box actually is kind of cool. Um, Andrew, your box was basically destroyed, right? Yeah. What happened there? Before I get to what's cool about the box, like what exactly? <laughs> where'd your box go? All that? Yes. Ugh. I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm just curious because we only talk about it in text. But what actually like happened? I don't know. Um, they the label was printed incorrectly on my packaging, so everything was cut off. And instead of USPS trying to figure out where it was supposed to go, they tried to deliver it just by, I guess, guessing at it. And they gave it to the wrong place, and the wrong place tried opening mm. it and, I guess, then putting it back together. But instead of, you know, slipping the box out of the plastic slipcase and then opening it normally, they it looked like they were trying to, like, break it open. That's weird. But, I mean, everything was still safe and sound as far as like the components go but how did, how did you get was... it back did you go threaten them like did no, you go to their house called usps and they knew they took it to the wrong address so they went back there and asked for it and then gave it to me oh, that's not as fun i was thinking you went there and like put i wouldn't have known where to go but yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what i was trying to figure out like how did you do that but that makes more sense but yeah so i guess you didn't see it but like what i was starting to say is even the or maybe no, you I mean, it, I mean I've like seen unboxing, so I know. Yeah, like, it's so cool because it's like there's the box. If anything, I thought it was kind of lame. How really? Um, I thought it was very cool. How the how the slipcase like? I mean, I like the effect, but what it's doing to the box under it seems kind of weird. It almost seems like they were too lazy to actually print these things directly on the box, and they like last minute had to correct it, so they created no, like, no, 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 no. It's a double reference. Back. Okay, so the box, the real That's box. That's the impression so, they gave me, even if it is a reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the real box. Like, it just like, seems like, oh, cardboard. man, we forgot to actually put the things on here. Uh, This can work. And then, no, because, like, if you look at the lower box. All right, so let me describe for somebody that doesn't have one. So there's a slipcase, and there's a box. The slipcase is all the Mario art. So the the bushes the clouds the, the title screen on the game and watch and when you slip off that clear overlay under it is the original box art except now it's gold because it's like you know gold color game and watch of the ball game and watch this entire thing is based on the ball game and watch so there's a the third game you know comes with mario lost levels and ball and ball in this version has mario's head on it so what they did is they recreated the ball box art from the ball game and watch with mario's head on it and then they overlaid it with the stuff they've overlaid on top of that game and watch which is all the mario stuff 
So when you pull it off, you have a replica box of the original thing it's replicating. And when you slide the thing on, you have everything they layered on top for the anniversary. That's cool. So that, that's kind of the theme, the thing they're doing. And it's not, it's definitely not an error because the ball box art has Mario's head on it. I know, I know. So it wasn't like error. they took the Club Nintendo that, box it, and it, like, it, oh, it's crap. the impression they gave me. But, uh, yeah, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think that you're not the only one that had that impression. I saw it online too. So I think they maybe didn't stick the landing, but that's definitely what they were going for. Um, but I do think, like, there's, I, when, I don't know if your box was too destroyed to see it, but when you open it, there's a little special thanks, uh, to you message on the flap with a little ball Mario as well, which is kind of a nice little touch. It's all just great. I, I love the whole package. It just feels so, you know, for someone like me, there's a lot here. Like, and the same company charged us 50 plus bucks for one, two switched. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how, like, but that, that's what's interesting. It's like, I, I'm a certain type of fan. You're a certain type of fan. Kevin, you're a certain type of fan. It's so, like, we all have different interest in what we like want out of a mario product like i think if you pull back for a sec that's kind of the other thought i have when using the game watch is like for a bunch of people a 50 dollar device for two mario games and a clock is whatever even if you love mario like both of these games are included for free in the switch online library you really don't need this other thing to play them on and like if you do buy it like really angel how often are you and i gonna be in a situation where we're carrying this thing in our shirt pocket like in the promotional material or like sitting on a bus and we're like oh i got two minutes and you just whip out the game and watch like are you no we're not gonna carry this thing around i don't think it's like it goes on a shelf right like are you planning to have this on you at all times it's hard to say because pandemic but right right i guess most likely not, but I do see myself at least trying to beat Mario 1 and 2. Whether I do it all from, like, a desk or actually around, it's still up for debate. But That's fair. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you know, there's a... This thing yeah, is I definitely see it more the, as just a decoration than something I would actually be playing. Yeah, and, like, so, so maybe, like, for a lot of people, the Game & Watch isn't for them. Like, maybe they're the type of Mario fan who, you know, instead gravitates towards a different Mario product that we completely just, like, aren't paying attention to, like Lego Mario, for example, because there's an experience that's really creating that feel of Mario, but in a totally different way. Like, we have the feel of Mario in the, like, 8-bit, like, you know, collector's way here, but, like, if you look at, like, Lego Mario, like, originally it was preset Mario actions in, like, these physical kind of kinetic levels of your own creation with blocks, right? And uh-huh. that does a Mario thing, and now they're actually expanding that. So, like, for us, like, they announced in January they're doing a new Master Your Adventure set for LEGO Mario. Um, so instead of just placing blocks that, you know, trigger certain actions from the little LCD screen LEGO Mario, you can actually program three different actions per block. Like, you can basically set blocks to have one of three different actions of your choosing, so you can decide what he does where. And the warp pipe at the start of these levels you build has randomization elements. So you actually are building levels to be able to achieve multiple goals instead of just one. So, like, in and of itself, like, that's pretty cool. But, like, is it the type of, like, Mario fandom thing we are resonating with? Probably not. But there's definitely an audience for that if they're already doing an expansion set. Are they doing an accompanying, Um, you know, like, they had a Lego NES set I, oh, oh they have not announced that but if they did a lego super nintendo that's gonna be dangerous a lego game boy would be kind of cool though um but like even without the accompaniment oh. like it is kind of what oh no i just like no i just like no but but yeah and like this is one of those things that like you know the people that are probably picking up not necessarily but i would i would venture to guess that the people that get Lego Mario and the generally speaking and the people that get the game and watch generally speaking are not a full overlap. 
Like they're you know they carry different crowds. I mean the Lego Mars stuff is impressive. Like it, I think it's actually really cool. I don't know how um, you feel about like the, the this new level, this new stage of it, so to speak. But I think it's really cool. Um, I mean, it definitely that they're basically letting you customize. I, more. I like the idea, but kind of like we've implied like we. It's definitely I'm not the, the right demographic. I could just like right. appreciate it from afar. Yeah, and and like as Nintendo as Mario fans, I can definitely appreciate that. Like they're adding new power ups, like the Tanuki suits there and the Penguin suits there, and there's new enemies, and they're doing they're bringing in the Soda Jungle theme from New Super Mario Brothers. So like, there's poisonous worlds now, and like I can look at that and be like, I get that reference, I understood that reference, and like totally be on board with that. But like, I don't necessarily want to buy it. The same way someone can look at the Game and Watch and be like, I get that, but don't care. No, not at all, not at all. I guess my I guess what I'm getting at like. Like that's – it's not like if you're a Mario fan, you're going to necessarily want the Game & Watch because it is kind of redundant. And if you're a Mario fan, you might not necessarily want the Lego Mario. And like there's even a whole like other side of it, like a whole other facet of the Mario experience where maybe you just want to like play the game in a direct way and then just show your fandom some other way. You know, like some fans may be into um, – I think it was what, last week that Nintendo and Champion announced their clothing collab um, where for like $150 you can get Mario overalls. Not – styled like mario's overalls but they're mario themed like they're bright red they have a printed mario throwing a fireball on the champion like c logo uh they have a tie-dye toad shirt they have like a dozen other pieces but like that's you know a whole nother thing where like you might want the game and watch you might want like a mario you might want those and those are all completely separate things for Anything completely separate mario try? fans nothing i mean not really not a, not in a oh i need to buy this but i was like oh, okay okay that's cool yeah, I mean the the over. I think the overalls are such a weird fake out. Like I don't know what like because they they did it to get the headline right. Like every blog was like, oh, Champion made Mario overalls for one hundred fifty dollars. You're like, oh, the Mario overalls. And then you look at it, and it's not the Mario overalls. It's overalls with Mario on them. So that was a bit odd. But um, there is an interesting like almost varsity jacket where like they have like Nintendo like the Mario characters like on the sleeves and the the middle parts just like a normal jacket. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's all a little too streetwear for what I tend to wear. A little too streetwear. A little too. I see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And then they also have the Puma collection, too, which, you know, is kind of the same as the champion. Yeah, I mean, nothing, Kevin, have, are you, are you on the hunt for the Mario here. clothing? <laughs> Kevin? Do we... Did oh, we lose I, Kevin? No, no, because... Uh, he was so gobsmacked so, by the thought. Something, uh... <laughs> Angel was talking, so it kind of overlapped. So I didn't hear my name. Uh, am I uh, in? Are man? you gonna buy? Are you gonna buy Mario shoes or Mario clothes or Lego uh, Mario? No, or... <laughs> did did Champion become like I know Champion's been a thing forever. I've I've had a pair of Champion yeah. sweatpants mm-hmm. since I was They've born, been basically. But like, where did this resurgence <laughs> of Champion like? When it's did this the happen? 90s, dude. The 90s are back. Yeah, no, I don't really – it's funny because there was a minute – like Champion was big in the 90s and then it went away and then it was like the budget brand at like Walmart. Yeah. And now it's suddenly trendy again because they just like positioned themselves well with the rise of 90s stuff. Like they paired up really quickly with like sneaker culture I feel like in streetwear. Champion also has like the worst logo of all time. Oh, yeah. I don't I, know what that thing is. Oh, my God. I could do better terrible. in paint. The C? Oh. My how to draw Mario drawing will be a better quality than that champion logo, and it's gonna be awful. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. 
it, it, it always strikes me as weird. And it's not like they have very creative – like I don't want to bash Champion for people who like the designs. It's not like they have very creative designs like at all. Like literally those overalls are the Champion C and then they took the new Super Mario Brothers art of Mario throwing a fireball and overlaid it on one-third of it and that's it. Yeah, they didn't try at all with these. No, but they're still going to sell super well because apparently for streetwear, you don't need to try. Like it's uh, – Oh, yeah. We know that very well. Yeah, like all the designs are just like nothingness. <laughs> so it's it's you know like I I don't understand fully the trend of hey there's a cool image you want to put on a shirt okay just like put it in a square on a shirt like just print a piece of paper and stick it to a shirt and now it's a cool design it's like you need to like put yeah, a I when it. designs yeah. do that yeah and it's super common now and I think part of it is stemming out of like the whole like capsule collection and drops and like you know. Um, you know, like when Kanye or Bieber did their like merch lines for their concert, but they did it per concert. I think Kanye was the first to do that. So each venue the... had dedicated art and designs, which meant they had to be able to basically drag and drop some layers in Photoshop and go, which is kind of how this came to be. Yeah, well, they don't always like. Well, I feel they don't have like a hundred percent amazing designs. I feel like Uniqlo, whenever they collab with Nintendo or most of the things, usually have a few really really cool ones. Like it definitely. Get more creative. Like I love this Bowser shirt that I have from Uniqlo that kind of wraps around the side, or even the shirt that Jason got. That I think it's like a a chain chomp in the pocket. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of Uniqlo's. Yeah, the chain chomp in the pocket, uh, coming out of the pocket. I have um, the Mario. Like it's basically outlines of. It's like almost like it's some sort of like I don't know how to describe. It. It's like a wireframey grid thing. It's like a plaid that's all squiggly because it's all different Mario enemies and coins and shapes sort of mashed together so it looks like a pattern from afar but when you get up close you can see like oh there's a goomba there's yeah. a coin so definitely whatever yeah, like, they come up with a new collection close... you could count on at least like you're most likely will buy one thing from them which is great yeah I, and... I, don't, I don't need to buy everything or their pokemon ones like i love this it's like a sketched out pikachu drawing that i have that's not like not completely finished but just looks really cool that i also got from yeah the and Nico, i think but I think that's yeah. kind of you know Uniqlo just in general. I prefer their their. Have you seen Bape's Pokemon stuff that they have right now? Uh, the it, Bape isn't like a ape like the no the no Bait Bait Bait. Oh Bait Bait has Pokemon. Um, they have two shirts right now. They have a, a neat What's looking Bait? Lapras one. Um, really? Bait. They're the store on Moros. They usually sell like a lot of figures and a lot of clothing. They collab a lot right now, like. Last time we saw them in person, um, they were having a Toy Story collab, and I got a shirt from them. And right now they have two Pokemon shirts. The one with the Lapras looks pretty neat, or just like the the image. The Pikachu hoodie is not bad. See, that's awesome. that's the Pikachu hoodie is just a silhouette of Pikachu in the middle with light with uh with lightning through the silhouette. It's very simple. It also is something you could do in Photoshop, but it's not just a random square <laughs> like it's actually kind of designed so like i'm okay yeah. with that over like the random square you could tell they tried well yeah yeah and and you know that that's kind of thing though it's like it's just your aesthetic because like basically like i feel like the champion look and the tum and the streetwear aesthetic is basically the tumblr aesthetic from the web just put on clothing you know the idea of like yeah, you, know, yeah, edit it, you just slap things together and that's fine and there's an audience for that and it kind of goes back to what i was saying about like not every fandoms go need every experience you know like there's shirts we prefer to design because they really leverage the idea of the game. And for us, it's like the deeper cut. There's stuff where people are like, oh, I love Mario. I want to have him on my shirt, but I also like Champion. That's perfect for that. Like it, it – one doesn't necessarily – I wouldn't say one's better than the other per se. They're just you know cut out for different people literally. 
Um, and that's kind of, I guess, what I was getting at with the Game & Watch is that, like, hey, here's a different avenue of Mario fandom. Hey, like, fandoms can have some, some breath. Like, to sort of get ahead of ourselves, like, this dovetails really well into our Star Fox revisit that we were going to do in a few minutes. Because, um, like, the Game & Watch, frankly, like, for me, it exceeded my expectations. Like, would someone who is listening to this show right now also feel the same way and love the thing? I'm going to guess probably yes because there are certain caliber of enthusiasts, um, which is why, again, you just stick around to the end to win one. But, you know, like if you aren't in it for the fan service, it might not be worth hunting down and spending the 50 bucks on. Like 90% of the experience is literally games you likely already own multiple copies of. But if you find that yeah, under 10% kind of feel enticing, like if you, get it. If you really wanted one, you were most likely going to get one, unlike the, yeah. the NES Classic. That was definitely kind of a wider net. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and so if you're within that smaller subsection of people, like I can't recommend the game of watch enough. It real like Nintendo was firing all cylinders. I mean, can people they even get that, it? So is this recommendation um, even worth anything? It's sort of around. <laughs> it, it seems more bountiful than the NES and the Super Nintendo. That's for sure. I'm sure it'll keep popping um, up on but the store.com. But store store.nintendo.com. Yeah, they might have it. Um, or again, end of this episode, you could win one. I'm gonna stop plugging our contest now. But uh, yeah, like uh, it's, one I more think... time, one more time, for all time. Okay, guys, listen, listen. In about I don't know, let's say an hour from now, you're gonna want to still be here because you could win one of these. You could win one of these for free. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like so. I guess the whole reason I was going through all that rigmarole was just like the thesis statement idea was literally like. You could say, yeah, okay, this is just a thing that played Mario on the go. But, like, if you are that type of fan, this is catered very much to me, to you, to those types <laughs> of enthusiasts. So, um, you as an angel. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think it's, you know, I just think it's kind of interesting because it's not as wide of a net like you were saying. It's definitely um, Nintendo went in with a specific vision opposed to just trying to, like, sell an old thing again. Which they're also trying to do, but, you know, like a kid won't necessarily be in on the, all the history here. Um, so that's the game and watch. Uh, unless you had any other thoughts, Andrew or Kevin, if you want to chime in with your thoughts from afar. I don't think I have any extra thoughts aside of like, I kind of wish they do a whole series of these. I mean, obviously I'm not expecting yeah. that right now, but it'd be nice to, I don't know, maybe like in another anniversary. Sure. Do one for Luigi. Maybe instead of like the the red and gold. I know that's for Famicom, but I think it'd look nice if it was like green and gold just to kind of go with this one or one that's more orangey for Bowser or Peach. But I also don't want to think about starting a new line of collecting something. So, I don't know. I would like to see something, but at the same time, this is good enough for now. You know what's really funny about that suggestion, Angel? Is um, the Game Gear Micro in Japan that Sega's putting out. Oh, God, yeah. For $50, you get four games per device. To get all the games in the collection, you need to spend $250 to $300. And your pitch right now, at the time it was announced, we're all like, that's, like, it's neat looking, but that's dumb. And now the pitch right now has turned into, you know, if it was Mario on there. Hmm, because <laughs> it's basically the exact same thing, which goes to show you it's all in marketing, right? Because Nintendo's doing the Game Gear Micro just a quarter of it, and everyone's eating it up. But when Game Gear Micro is announced, everyone's like, what is this? Although, to be fair, the Micro is also like an eighth the size of this thing. Yeah, that thing is so tiny. And the fact that it's, it's way more of a collection. This, yeah, it's, it's a little too, too niche. Yeah, yeah. That's even uh, more of a like carving out your fandom than than this is. And aren't they 
Is it also fifty bucks? You happen to know how much it costs? And I want to say, man, I should. Um, I think it's like forty or fifty a pop because I know the whole set, which is five, is two fifty. Jesus. Or maybe the whole set's four and it's like seventy a pop, but you know it, it's somewhere around there. But I mean, we just paid fifty dollars for two and a quarter games, let's say, because of ball. Oh, we'll give it two and a half. You can switch Mario's head to Luigi with a button combo, so we'll say it's a half game. Good point. Uh, but... I guess it's only because we're not. I mean, I didn't grow up on Sega as much as I did Nintendo. Did play some yeah, Sega, and and, and that again, much less nice Game is... Gear. Like I knew it was a right. thing when it was a thing, but I actually don't think I that... ever played one. Just saw one from. Across the plexiglass at Toys R Us back in the day, I I played one. They're they're pretty. Fun. I remember playing Sonic. Uh, or no, yeah, my friend had Sonic. That's right. Yeah, I and then you looked Sonic at your out. Game Boy and threw it on the ground. And I was like, I'm glad this thing isn't as big of a brick as that thing is, because Game Gears were fat. Like, I don't mean like cool '90s fat. I mean like with an F. Like they were big. They were very bulky. But, uh, yeah, but even, even right now, like, <laughs> the way we're like, yeah, like, if I had a Game Gear, maybe, like, that's definitely, like, the same mindset I think a lot of people have with Game Watches. Like, I mean, I had Mario, like, if I had, if I haven't played Mario in so long, maybe I'll get this. But then already, that's a sub-audience, so. Yeah, so that's the Game Watch. Um, but like I was saying, unless, unless, uh, Kevin, you had a thing you wanted to add. Uh, what's the battery life like? Actually, pretty oh, good. It's like uh, eight hours. We had eight hours? That's pretty good. Like and... That. As opposed to the, the couple price. months that the original. Well, that's a good point, Angel. <laughs> what was the second question, Kevin? Uh, what's the price? I don't think you guys mentioned 40, that. I think it was oh, fifty dollars. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Forty nine. Yep, yep. Thank you for thank you for checking the checklist of specs for us. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, I feel I like I was saying before. I feel like um, the game and watch and the conversation of always like fandom things does bring us very nicely to our Star Fox revisit because Angel. You for a very very long time has said that Star Fox sixty four is overrated, right? Yep. So um, here's your opportunity. I replayed Star Fox sixty four, like I said, I would do last episode. You, I think, played the three DS remake sixty four three D, right? Yeah. All right. So here you go. Here's your platform. You revisited it. Then I'll talk. But plead your case. Why? Before I go into my impressions coming back to it, do you feel this way, or did you feel this way? Um, I mean, coming into this, I'm not really picking a side. I'm just kind of talking about the game or anything, how I felt about it, just playing it. And, okay. um, maybe because I'm the 3DS, um, the 3D was really cool. So, I mean, it definitely has that going for it. Definitely one of the few 3DS games that I feel you really need to play in 3D. Oh, man, if you're leading with that, I'm worried how downhill this is going to go and how fast. <laughs> but... I don't know. Uh, you could, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a weird game. It definitely did kind of confirm some, you know, like as the years go on, you self-analyze like why you don't think you like something, and I think it just playing it recently just kind of cemented why I think I felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I guess because it's um this weird in between, like a story with I mean a game with a story and a score attack game. Like, mm-hmm. it is, I mean, I guess you could say first and foremost, it's a Thor attack game. Actually, can you even say that? First and foremost? Yeah. I think first, because you go through, like, a lot of cutscenes just before you even get to, like, the first, like, the moment you get to first start playing, which, I mean, I know I'm making it sound like a really long time, but for a score attack game, usually 
you just jump right in and that's it. Like, most Gore-type games, I mean, at least, like, the ones that I've played. Because at first I thought, like, maybe I just have a thing against these types of games. But there are games like 1942 or I think it's what it's called. Or 1924. Um, Strikers that I really love. I mean, I love games like Metal Slug. I mean, that one does kind of have a story. But if anything, kind of like Star Fox, it has, like, a hidden lore in the background. That if you're paying attention, it just makes the already fun gameplay even, I guess, more interesting. But I guess it's not really shoved in your face kind of the way this one is in the beginning. But then, because it's still a score type game, as you're playing through the game, everything is kind of it's sprinkled in there. And there is definitely a story, but I feel like I don't get... I don't know, I guess because I feel like the story is dangled in the beginning, and then at the end, and kind of throughout, it makes it more disappointing when it doesn't feel fully fleshed out, even though... I don't think that's what the intention was. I don't know. It's like I, as I play it, I get like this kind of clash of genres. And I know like at least part of that could be relieved if you just go to time attack mode. Because then that's literally just the levels. Mm-hmm. And then you can just play it that way. Which I know for a fact, um, at least from some people that I know, that that is actually their preferred way of playing it. Because they just play purely for the, the time attack. But I think when I play Star Fox, I don't know. I think because these characters are just have very appealing designs that I just kind of want to experience more of a story, I end up feeling kind of lackluster about it. On top of, I don't know, maybe this is just like a little annoying for me, but the anytime you go into all range mode, maybe because of the way the enemies were designed or programmed, but like essentially a lot of things love to stay, pretty much the game always wants you to constantly be turning around it feels like. Yeah, and you set, turning it has around center point, and it just feels kind of annoying to like have to like turn around and just like I could either hold the brake and hold L to try to turn around faster, but it feels like most of the time I'm turning around because my enemy's behind me than actually like shooting at my enemy. I don't know. It it made all the yeah most of the R range mode sections where you get to fly freely around just not very enjoyable. The on real sense the on real sections were. We're fun enough. It just kind of feels like not much is happening compared to, I guess, shoot 'em ups that I that I guess I'm just used to. Like when I think shoot 'em ups or the shoot 'em ups that I really like are almost more comparable to bullet hells. Like you just kind of your life is always in danger, pretty much, because one hit will kill you. But in this one, I mean, you could take multiple hits as you're flying around. You could collect these golden rings that will extend your life bar, and bullets there sometimes it can feel like there's a lot of stuff like flying at your face and especially looks really cool in 3d you can kind of get away with not really dying or getting hit by sometimes not even moving all that much which yeah so it's the game where you're not really trying to survive you're never really in any threat of actually dying but i guess where you're supposed to make the most out of this game is by trying to like you know ramp up your, your score multiplier get a bunch of strings so it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a game that has to be played a certain way i feel like to get the most of it and i guess i don't know it maybe i need more time with it maybe it maybe at this point it's just something that i don't know the duality of the things that it's trying to accomplish are just not jibing with me specifically mm-hmm. and i feel like some of those things were addressed in star Fox assault but i'm also coming from assault first then to this one yeah. which you know, like, I kind of... Yeah. Because Assault kind of put the story 
a little bit more on the pedestal. It was kind of always there. You actually had everything fleshed out. There were a lot of cinematics, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if there was a time attack mode because I guess if that shows more than anything, I kind of was more into shooting around when I knew like what the plot was taking me to instead of just doing it just for the score. I don't know, because if I want to do that, I would just play something else. But yeah, then coming back to this other one, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I, I could see why people like it, but I think it right. definitely just reminded me why it wasn't for me specifically. So, so Kevin, are you have you played sixty four or Assault or any of those Star Foxes? Yes, I. So played, where do you where do you, where do you rank them? The original Star Fox sixty four uh, Command. I really love Command, even though it's barely a Star Fox. Um, <laughs> where uh, so how do you rank? What's your hierarchy? Like, where do you think sixty four sits on the scale here? In terms of Star Fox teams. Just in terms of your enjoyment of it, really, yeah. Uh, or in Star Fox games, because everyone has really a different definition of Star Fox. Hmm, interesting. It makes sense why it's kind of a dead franchise, honestly. <laughs> Fair. Um, and within Command and the other, like, where would you rank it within the three? If you had to rank it. Um. Wait, which are you talking uh, about? Are you including Assault and? Well, the three. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, not Assault. Um. I guess Command, the one you just mentioned. There was another one besides that, right? Or was Command the only other Star Fox game? No, no you said Command 64 and Assault, the original, right? The original. Oh, and SNES. Original. Yeah. I guess the oh, one well. made by Nintendo. Assault Hopefully was you ranked Namco? it higher than the SNES one. Who, who, who was Assault? Bias. Uh, Assault was Namco, yes. Namco. And Rare was Adventures. <laughs> so... Yeah, in terms of, of the, the hierarchy, I, I mean, I don't know. The the original SNES one and the 64 one are equal in my mind as two mm. very uninteresting games for me, honestly. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because so for me – so I went back to the original N64 version. You know, all those low polygon counts blown up on a big old HD TV. Uh, of course, I ratioed the screen back to 4.3 because I'm, I'm not a madman. But nonetheless uh, – I, graphically, yeah, it was polygonal. I'll, I'll give you that. It didn't really hold up visually, but I do think gameplay-wise, for for me, I I really like, it, and I still think it's right there. And I actually find it because I think it's right there for a lot of reasons that Angel didn't like. I like Star Fox sixty four always was like really what even the Super Nintendo one was to you know, Kevin's you play both um, is a Nintendified high score attack game like Angel said. You know, you go into a level, you try and kill as many enemies, you go through rings, you get power ups, you do your thing. Um, you do it again, etc. etc. And then maybe you get a Landmaster tank in the sixty four one or a blue marine submarine, which to be fair does suck to play as. Like it does not hold up. But regardless, like all three of the exact same mission, you do the same thing, and you just it's through the lens of Nintendo. Like in the same way they don't make a serious racing game, they make Mario Kart. This is their diet sh uh, shmup, their diet shoot 'em up, their diet bullet, whatever you want to call it. This is kind of their, you know, they took a, uh, um, they took like a 2D side scoring shooter and turned it on its Z axis. Like not like a bullet hell, like an R type, which R type can become a bullet hell, but also some of it is not that difficult. And I, I you know, I never really personally paid attention to the score. Um, and I don't in traditional shoot-em-ups either. For me, it was just about surviving and making it to the next level, which Star Fox does, just, again, kind of with, like, Nintendo, like, table dressings. And um, I think the more, in my opinion, that Star Fox 
gameplay stayed true to that basic uh, ethos, like the the more it felt right to me, so to speak. Like you know, of course there are some exceptions. Like Andrew, you're talking about all range mode, and um, I think looking now through a more modern like analytic analytical lens of it. Like, especially after just spending so much time with Mario 3D All-Stars and Super Mario 64 in there, like, it made it very transparent to me that all-range mode was Nintendo in the same way they took Mario... No, but in the same way that, like, basically all-range mode was just Nintendo trying to do to Super Nintendo Star Fox what they did to Super Nintendo Mario, which is like, oh, it's 3D now, so we need 3D movement in an open environment. Even though, yes, I know technically all-range mode actually started in Star Fox 2 on the Super Nintendo. But the idea of, like, how do you do 3D gaming? Oh, well, you just go in a circle around something instead of just straight to something. Like, that. that is very transparently just them, like, oh, we have 3D now. Let's do it. Um, but I think, like, to me, to your point about there's not a story, but the score attacks too light, is, like, to me, at least that's just kind of the Nintendo-y thing. Like, Nintendo wouldn't just make their own score-attack shooter. <laughs> like, no, Nintendo. honestly, they wouldn't full-on They wear their mediocrity make... on their on their chest. I don't mean Nintendo mediocrity. Thing. I just mean they no, wouldn't full-on make... No, I know, I know, they're not. I don't believe that. Yeah. yeah, I know. But they wouldn't just make a high score-attack game in the purest sense. I mean, think about the arcade scene and how they did Donkey Kong. Like, they, they of course, would make a cartoony in this case, and they're going to give it some personality... But since everyone's stuck in a ship all the time, the only way to really do that is by overlaying the personalities on top of the gameplay with the dialogue, with the you know figuratively and literally they're putting it on top of what you're doing. Um, and that definitely comes across. I mean, yeah, like you definitely and, you know, that's like like I love hearing the banter, especially between like mm-hmm. the other characters that aren't the main flight. Yeah, and that we almost never see because it's like oh, there's other characters in this universe. Crazy. Yeah, and then, like, you know, they have side characters flying in and out. And then everything that happened in later games was basically fleshed out to almost become more of the focus on the series. Like, that overlay of personalities, which initially, in my mind, was this is Nintendo doing a shoot 'em up in the same way they took a racing game and did Mario Kart. But because you can't see the characters, they threw a story on top to give it a little more personality. Then, because I think so many people like yourself liked those characters and that personality, they started to lean more and more on that part. So the later Star Fox games, like if at the core, they're kind of like a diet sh- shmup, right? Wait, yeah. I feel like I'm saying shmup every time I say it, but they're like a diet shmup. Sh- uh, shmup. Uh, and I feel like, um, you know, if you think of it from that perspective, like it holds up well at being that. And I enjoy it for that. And some people won't. I understand that. Uh, you too, clearly. Uh, but, you know, it's not the hardest one out there, but I think uh, I think I beat it at under an hour. But, you know, if, if, if you look at the gameplay Ooh, time... I know that's one of the few I always beat because it's so short. But but if you look at like that gameplay time and the branching pass, you can see like Nintendo was angling for a Nintendo fight shoot 'em up. Um, it's kind. Of, I really it's kind of like what I was saying with the Game and Watch, right? Like it all boils down to where your fandom lies, your expectation lies. Like Mario was a super clear as day example because the breadth of things tied to the property. There's so much of it. Like you have the Game and Watch and the shirts and the Legos and the core games and the spin-off games. But like even if you look at Star Fox, where the series hasn't really gone beyond these like five games, you can see there's a literally from this conversation, there's a spectrum of fandom for lack of a better term here. Like there's different reasons you get into it. Like you were talking about assault. So like if adventures are assault were your starting points with their heavier stories, absolutely sixty four feels backwards. Absolutely. And if you preferred Assault, um, you know, continuing down the gameplay path of 64, like if you prefer that sort of variety of gameplay, yeah. Um, 
Assault does it better because there is more. 64 is literally three vehicles that all do the same thing. One just controls a lot worse than the other two. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, so like it makes sense that like Assault would be more appealing. If you're really into the story and you love yourself some Crystal Fox, Adventures is for sure going to be your jam. Like it, it's – if you became a Star Fox fan, I feel like in the 64 days, like if you, if you played it and it clicked with you, it's not no, that – It's really hard up. to make Star Fox the next Mario then. I mean those are pretty different. Kind of. Kind of, they do. Nintendo does that so much. Well, they need so with the racing game, man. Damn. I mean, I mean, remember that rumor? There almost was. Um, well, well, but yeah, I mean, that, that also that whatever uh, James McCloud character is in F Zero. Yeah, is in F Zero. Well, that one's just kind of a nod because he's a human in F Zero. But yeah, he's just the same. Um, yeah. Unless there's some really deeper lore where like they're turning foxes into humans, which would be kind of twisted. But um, yeah, like I guess what I'm saying is, if you became a, fan, a, Star, a Star Fox fan back in the '64 days. And you like Star Fox in 64 days. I don't think you're going to convince anyone that it doesn't hold up as a game. And it's not because it doesn't hold up as a game. It's because what those gameplay offerings were at the time is what resonated with you. But if you came in later, it's a totally different ball game because they shifted the focus a little. So then going back to 64 does feel backwards and weird. And not in a way where it's just like, oh, they just like layered on top of the gameplay. They pivoted it a little. So that's probably why like so many earlier Star Fox fans didn't necessarily like assault or felt that entries like Adventures or Command were too much of departures. You know actually I love Command. Um because frankly like for those fans with those preferences and those expectations of it's a diet shmup with some overlaid like light banter, like all that other stuff. Like assault did all this stuff that you were like on foot. Like why are you on foot? I just want a diet shmup or like you know, but if you're coming from assault, why are you only in the air in sixty four? So like it's Get what I mean? Like it, it, it's kind of like the expectation because the franchise has zigged and zagged so much makes it really hard to actually put the games in a line and say, if you like this one, you're going to like that one because they actually do different things. So mm-hmm. I think for, for what I like about 64, I think it holds up actually quite well for what it what I liked about in 1997 or 8 when I first got it. Does it hold – like if you go to play it for the first time after being an Assault fan, will you like it? I don't. I don't think so. I guess what I'm saying is like I, I guess I'm proposing a truce here. Like I don't think 64 didn't age well, and I don't think I'm blinded by nostalgia. I just think what Star Fox is defined as to me as a 64 first guy is different than what Star Fox is defined as to someone who started with Assault or Command or what have you. So and of course, you, there's going to so, be people so, that so, like it and so people that don't. So you would say but. right now then – so you couldn't say right now that Star Fox 64 mm-hmm. is objectively a better game than Star Fox Assault. I don't think it is, no. I think by my definition of what Star Fox game should be, it is. But I don't think as a game that was released and sold in stores is necessarily on a higher pedestal or anything. As a just baseline, like if you go look at the game. Because like honestly, Assault has a killer multiplayer mode. It's great. Um, And single player is like fine. But like it's definitely a little different than 64 because it's focus shifted. So it really depends on what you're in there for. Um, and, you know, of course, if people aren't going to like any of them or being different to the whole thing, like like Kevin. But, uh, you know, if you do find your, like, groove, your lane of Star Fox, it doesn't mean the other ones are going to be in that same lane. Because I'm, I'm, except for the Super Nintendo and the N64 one, I don't think any of them are in the same lane quite. Yeah, and, like, Assault, really, if you look at it, was them trying to combine Adventures, because that was already on GameCube, with 64. So they went with the more story-heavy stuff. They did more on-foot stuff. They did, uh, like, more different types of gameplay so and then star fox zero is a whole nother story because that was kind of a throwback but then they did the control thing like i'd say zero in structure is closer to what fans like 
of 64 quote unquote want that assault is but you know like they they kept it to vehicles they added um one or two new ones like a drone but then the controls kind of became its downfall although i personally thought the cockpit view on the gamepad was actually a really neat idea it just was a little funky so like again they, they just can't nintendo can't sit still with their b tiers they keep changing them like there's not a consistent you know what i mean like look at chibi robo which we always evoke look at Star Fox, look at kirby outside the like i guess kirby's the least good example because um the worst example is another way to say that because uh he has a mainline series and a spin-off series but like a lot of their franchises they don't just like make direct sequels they try and they do that whole thing that we, we talked about paper mario this summer where it's like oh we have to do something new which means people are going to come in at different levels and expect different things and that's gonna be weird when they don't get those things but they go play earlier games so yeah. that's kind of my assessment but you know you know what's crazy though is there's now a whole like if you think i didn't really think about this like there's a whole generation of kids going through what we're going through here with our like history of Star Fox with current nintendo games like for us like the baseline of nintendo games has been set for so long right like it's like you know an episode or two ago angel um you're talking about how like to you like simple polygonal animation is like the most personality and then everything on top you just see is layered on designs and you know you just see it as what it is or like if we go even further back, um, like how we were discussing Mario 3D All-Stars, how it's like this weird history lesson of earlier Marios for those who first played the series later on. Like like just kind of like the idea that like your entry point really determines what you think of a game or how it's built. And when I st- – yeah, and like when I started playing this episode together, um, you know, I was compiling the game and watched thoughts and I was looking at those insane Switch numbers that MPD put out for October – and I had this weird moment that's sort of like when <laughs> it's like when a dog or cat sees himself in the mirror for the first time, and you're like, oh, and they're just kind of like looking like, wait, what? And like, I, you don't really think about, it, but the cycle of like differing expectations, it keeps just refreshing. It never actually ends. Like, of course it doesn't. Obviously, people come in and play games later, but like, I never gave this any thought. It Nintendo's in a loop, and we're just now seeing the loop for ourselves because we've been through it before. Let, let me explain what I mean. Um, in October. Nintendo sold a lot of Switches here in the U.S. Okay. Like, so many, in fact, that they actually boasted about it with a real concrete number. 735,926. That's a very The Switch number. is selling well? No way. Yeah, I know. It's the second highest October sales for a home console ever, though. It's only trailing behind the Wii and its prime, which had, like, 810,000. Nope. That is a real fact. Huh. In fact, over the course of the entire third quarter here, it's generated more hardware sales than any platform since the DS and its prime in 2009. And I know, and by fiscal year's end, if the platform, like if the pattern holds, I mean, um, you know, if everything stays on track, it will be the single highest year for any home console sales in the U.S. ever. Higher than PS4's peak of about 20 million, higher than the Wii's peak of 26 million. So so where is it right now again? It's what, in U.S. sales? Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know exactly the toll it has for U.S. I just know that's on track to be over 30 million by next uh probably over 30 million by march all right give us a wild estimate or a wild jason prediction in yeah. a switch's lifetime what number do you think it'll reach i think it's gonna and by lifetime i mean like we'll just say yeah, yeah. by when the and next generation console yeah yeah, yeah. Comes out. when they do the life to date number when they switch generation i like, think, think it'll reach 50 i think it'll reach 60 it, it's already at 68 
So yes, I think it'll reach a hundred. Uh, I think it'll I think it'll reach a hundred and sputter out. I mean, the Wii maxed out at like one hundred one. The PS four maxed out at like one hundred three. The DS maxed out one hundred fifty. The PS two maxed out one hundred fifty or one hundred forty million. These are all millions. Oh, then it I think have to the, do more than I think the Wii or uh, the Switch. If the, we have the pandemic for another year, they're right. They're firing all cylinders. They're saying they want to extend the life longer than most consoles. I think it could conceivably end up around one hundred eight hundred ten million. Now, originally when it came out, I thought we it would maybe be 80, 90 tops. Um, but I think – because, I mean, even the 3DS maxed out at like 76 million. So I think it could maybe hit a, a little higher than like Wii and PS4. Because it's mm. the Switch has the advantage of it still hasn't had a single price cut. I mean this Black Friday, literally all they're doing is I mean, you um, don't count throwing the Mario Switch Kart as a price cut? No, that's a secondary device because a lot of people are want – like the Switch – to switch light ratio is still like three to one in sales or something in mm. the states and uh so like if they brought down the price of the regular switch people would be like oh i could finally get that thing that actually switches for a better price so they haven't done a single price cut they keep bundling the same game with it they've been selling the same games like if you look at their convert like this holiday they're actually doing sales on all their evergreens because they don't have as much new heavyweight stuff so they're like you can get like right now this weekend going into black friday you can get um Fire Emblem for like thirty bucks, Mario U Deluxe for like thirty bucks, Splatoon for thirty bucks, I think, or thirty five. Like they're so they can ride that out for quite a while, and then if they then drop the price and then start doing kind of a budget system route as PS Five and uh, Xbox grab hold and make Switch really the secondary device, um, yeah, I think they could actually probably hit that, like one hundred ten ish, one hundred eight. So, but the reason I brought the numbers up, so I point about this cycle, right? So. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting stat to pair with all those Switches that were sold. The best-selling Switch game in October, number five on the top 20 chart, was Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. That's a game with a $100 price tag, but that's beside the point. Uh, the, what's interesting is that's the number one-selling Switch game of the month. The folks who track TV ad spends at a company called iSpot TV report that the ad campaign for that game was the single biggest commercial scene in October, 125 million impressions. So if you combine those two stats, what that means is it is very possible – that for a lot of or a decent or some number of kids out there, maybe small, maybe not, um, Home Circuit is their first Mario Kart experience. It is their nuts. Star Fox 64. What? That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Their first and Mario Kart. It's, it, it, which, again, it makes sense when you stop and think about it. Like, of course, everyone enters into this loop or into this like you know cycle of new games at a different point. But it's kind of weird to think about. Like someone's first game could be Mario Kart Live and then you jump to Mario Kart 8 or Nintendo puts out Mario Kart 9 that's like some sort of like what we would consider a lesser version. And for th- that audience, that's an upgrade. That's a advanced new game. Like, I mean, another way I put about, uh, to think about it is like, look at like uh, when New Super Mario Brothers came out on the DS. For a lot of kids, that was their very first Mario game. For us, it felt like it was a reset of the franchise, right? So Nintendo then was able to ramp up through the entire growth pattern of Mario again. So by the time something like New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which is you know number 20 on the charts now and still selling well, has become the like flagship 2D Mario game, that's a huge amount of growth for the franchise from Mar- New Super Mario Bros. on the DS. And for us, we just saw them looping, but for people who are playing us for the first time, it's the exact same pattern as how we went from original NES Mario to Super Mario World. Literally, you is modeled after Super Mario World. So, you know, now imagine, in the same way you went from Assault to 64, imagine someone went from Mario U to, say, New Super Mario Brothers 2. Gone is the overworld map. 
you know, now there's this weird coin obsession. The graphics took a hit. The power-ups are less varied. Like, it's... Like, the the three of us have literally lived through two complete evolutions of 2D Mario gameplay. I do wonder how... Like, it's weird. Kid going from <laughs> Odyssey to save and, like, Galaxy, if they would even think that's, like, a big dog read or something. Yeah, like, like it's super oh, weird. And we sort of... Just... I love Odyssey. Nah, man. Galaxy's just <laughs> chef's kiss think... right there. I think the better, I think, uh, yeah, I think Odyssey and Galaxy, they're different enough that maybe they could stand, but I think Odyssey to, say, Sunshine or 64 will feel like, like, for us, it's like, oh, Odyssey was, like, like, literally when it came out, we're like, oh, it's 64 and Sunshine's gameplay, but more modernized. So going backwards, because it'd be like, what is this? And it's, you know, this this same cycle is happening right now, again, with Animal Crossing, right? Because New Horizons, selling like crazy, number seven on the October chart, uh, and we talked last time about how, like, it could very well become Switch's best-selling game by the end of the year. It could be at over – it could outsell Mario Kart at the rate it's going. Um, but with New Horizons, it's kind of like – honestly, it's a bit of a soft reset. I mean crafting's in. The island's in. But there's a lot of right. stuff from past games that still isn't there that fan, that the diehard fans are still like, where's Brewster? He was in New Leaf. Or like, where's the minigame island? That was in a bunch of the old ones. And it's just like, is also eh, your least favorite it. aspect – your least favorite new aspect of Animal Crossing, right? Me? I don't. Know. I, I, I don't. I feel, of all mind. the new things added, I feel like crafting is like probably like the least necessary that they had to add. Oh, it's definitely the least like, necessary. But like for for people entering crafting. the franchise, it makes sense. Like uh, at least like a crafting bowl, it, it just always feels like a. It feels like the most like time wasty mechanic. I feel of the game outside of actually. Oh, a hundred percent. They want it. Weirdly, it could have been a fun. Is, like I mean, like like in Minecraft, you know. Well, I mean, it does kind of revolve around it. Like, crafting is not, like, amazing, but I wouldn't say it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm not wasting, I mean, it doesn't feel like I'm wasting time, because, you know, you, with any 20 swords, I could literally make all 20 swords at once if I have all the materials necessary, and this one, well, you have to actually craft 20 swords. Oh, you mean the actual, like, time it takes to craft, opposed to the... Yeah, I feel like if that was tweaked... Oh, yeah, no, they should... The mechanic would be better, but as as it stands right now, it's, like, the only thing in Animal Crossing that it feels kind of like a sore spot. But yeah, anyway, I mean, it's obviously doing I, well, well because it is a great point, polished game. I mean, well-deserving of a nomination in a way for its impact, I guess. To your point, though, yeah, well, well uh, it, for sure, yeah, the Game Awards, and we'll talk about it a bit, um, just because there's a whole list of them to get through. But um, yeah, to your point, I think crafting, they, I think they could do a quality of life improvement for sure, and they did just announce this past week the winter update. I think it's already out, actually. Yeah, it came out on Thursday, the, the winter update, and... um. You know, obviously it comes with stuff like, oh, Thanksgiving's in the game now, and Toy, toy Day's in the game, and there's some new hairstyles, and hey, you can, like, sit. You can sit down. You can emote sitting. Look at that. But the key things in there that, I, that caught my eye were um, quality of life things. Safe transfers are in. You can expand your item storage space by a lot now, like 18 to 25, 1800 to 2500 or something like that. Um, you don't need to go find Dream Island addresses online. If you just want to go see things, there's a randomizer now. Like there's a lot of things that they're finally kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe we should improve that. So maybe bulk crafting will come in the future. But what I find kind of interesting is Nintendo announces the updates every these updates every three months, right? And it's like we added a holiday that was already in the past game. We added some new hairstyles. We added a couple new emotes. Um, isn't this great? And, you know, 26 million people are like, yup, this is perfect. But for us, because we came from New Leaf, we came from City Folk, we came from Wild World, we came from the original, we're just like, but you're still missing XYZ. But for so many people, that doesn't matter. And that's just kind of like, 
it like they're just in the new cycle. Like we see the cycle have we've seen it already ramp up from Animal Crossing to New Leaf, and now we're sort of seeing it scale down and ramp up again. It's very much what Pokemon Sword Shield's doing. It's very much what Super Mario Parties did. Like I know we constantly like it won't be an anniversary episode without again saying Mario Party needs more DLC or content or something. Um but again, like Nintendo just successfully reset Super Mario Party. It is the best selling Mario Party. They can just pile in the things from the old games anew, and like that's a whole new curve for like newer fans to to like climb or to go through. It's yeah. weird to think about. Like it's only because we like it, I don't want to say it's because we're old, but like I I'm but looking back is. at like what they did with like Mario Kart, and like I'm thinking like yeah, like we went through this before. 64 was just an upgrade from Super Nintendo. Just say, Jason, just say back in my day already. Back in my – listen, back in my day, they just put two characters on a cart and they said it was a new Mario Kart. But, like, now they can do that again because they took them back away and they can add them back again and then it will be, like, an upgrade again. Like, it's just so – just can't, kind of realization when writing this episode. I'm just like, ah, this is, we're old. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just and – it, and it's one of those things that, like, there will be us fans are like, oh, but you took away this thing. But we're, like – we're a small group. I mean there's so much room for the franchise to grow. Like if you're Nintendo, you're not launching commercials with celebrities like Brie Larson and Aquafina playing Animal Crossing to appeal to us, the people who miss Brewster. Like there's a whole new audience for that, and they can just ride that wave, and they give us just enough that we stay on board. And it's kind of genius. Those commercials are actually pretty good, though. Have you guys seen those commercials? I kind of like them. I haven't. I don't think they exist. I think it is. Um, they, they're basically like uh, they're basically like slice of life ads. So um, you know, it's like Just they're doing a lot of those in day, general. I guess. Well, yeah. So they do all the Switch ads. I feel like are slice of life now. Where the whole My Way to Play series, where it's like, oh, this. Like there's one where it's like uh, sisters braiding her sister's hair while she's playing Mario U or something, and, and then like this one's like Brie Larson like. You know, she gets called out a script, but she's playing Fortnite or like, or Ammo, or she's like am, doing Ammo Crossing, or like Aquafina's on set, not leaving her truck. She's doing Ammo Crossing, like things like that. All the ads. Plausible. What? Kind of crazy that they caught her in that moment. I, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what they're implying yeah. in the ads. They just happy. Oh, look, she just happened to be playing when we brought the camera crew in. But um, <laughs> the one thing that's kind of interesting about all these ads is there's going to be such a relic of their time in a couple of years because all of them. Including ones that don't celebrities in them, that just have kids, are uh, pandemic era. Like they all involve someone eventually getting on a video chat with someone else to play the game, or like there's a, there's one where a kids like, oh, I got Garchomp, I need to show my friends, and he like hops on Zoom, and it's just weird. Like we're gonna watch these in like five or ten years to be like, oh yeah, that was the year of all the pandemic ads. But yeah, that's just kind of a side point. But um, also, yeah, they don't use the Switch Online app; they use video chat. Nintendo doesn't even promote their own app in their own commercials. <laughs> so so there's also that. But yeah, um yeah, my main point was just that like it's it's just this soft reset of games evolutions is kinda interesting. Nintendo's done it before to go do it again. It's just kinda, you know, and, and it kinda go it feeds into that expectation thing. Like we like Game and Watch because it is catering to what we remember from before the reset. We like different things about Star Fox because it caters to when we came in, like our entry point. And the, the one thing maybe that's different now is all these expectations of games are based on what you're going to buy. Like you see the game plan, you go, do I want that? Yes or no. Nintendo's also doing something I know, Kevin, you have a bone to pick with, which is once you own the game, the expectation of what you're allowed to do with it this past week was kind of 
Nintendo did some strange stuff, right? Oh boy. Like, do you want do I cover this a little? Because I uh I'm sort of I've seen it. I don't know much about it, but I know you as someone in the Twitch world in particular have a lot of thoughts. Well which one? Because they did three There's things. There's three. Bad. Um, <laughs> well you pick your poison, dude. <laughs> Whatever you want. Uh, no, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, from, I think we start from, with I think we just start with Smash Brothers, I feel. I feel no yeah. well, I mean we just talked about Animal Crossing, I feel we should start with that one. And and it's the, the I guess from it's, like from bad to worse, I think it's the it's the, the easier one to yeah, it's the easier one to swallow. Uh, well, I mean, Nintendo pretty much said, "Hey, you can't do anything like you can, you pretty much can't ha- have you can't involve politics uh, in yeah. Animal Crossing." So tear down Which, Biden Island? Is that what's going to happen then? Sadly, I I do find it so fun that they waited to say it till after the election. Not so they wouldn't cause a ruckus, you know, like, oh, is Nintendo anti pro Trump or the anti Biden? Like, they waited until that settled and then they're like, okay, let's not do that again. Um, so, and the thing, the thing about all these stories is, is the, the retort to is, is simply going to be, well, Nintendo has every right to do it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I will, I will we'll say, to, um, we'll get, we'll get back to that as, we keep cutting each other off. And we'll, oh, we'll, sorry. Go ahead. I, I have a, I do have a response to, to, to. Oh, they can do whatever they want, especially considering how on uh, the QC episode I was like, well, you don't really own the game anymore. You really only own a license to, to play it. That's on a disc. Um, mm-hmm. but the th- the thing that struck me odd about the politics one is, it just it, it's kind of like. A, it's it's one thing to be like, hey, we would appreciate if you didn't involve politics on on Animal Crossing. You know, it's supposed to be this lighthearted thing. It it, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't involve politics in it. it. It's one thing to like ask to ask to like not have it. It's one thing to straight out just say, don't do this. If you want to do it, come to us before you do it. Yeah. To to be fair, they use the word please. It's please refrain, oh, yeah. But please. but they do go on to say you need written consent otherwise. Yeah, we're yeah. You have to get you have to get a note from Nintendo saying that you're allowed. You get your uh, doctor's note. Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, that, uh, I kind of get that one though, because like, it looks like Nintendo's endorsing these things because it's inside their platform. Not at all. But uh, you don't think so? I mean, not no. necessarily for us, but like. For people who don't know that much, oh, Biden has an island in Animal Crossing, so Nintendo supports Biden. Like if people like the 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 common folk, not the people that know how the game works. But like I, I like the parents of the people who might buy the game in like Arkansas, who are maybe not Biden supporters and don't know the structure of the game. They're gonna be like, wait, Nintendo Biden Nintendo has a deal with Biden. You're not getting this. We're Trump people, or you know something like that. But uh, I I don't know. It's that's the only one I can find any legit defense for in my mind. To be clear, the other two are ridiculous. Well, I mean, all Nintendo has to say is like, "Oh, this is no way affiliated with us." That's right, it. but that that's yeah. I guess I I, I sure. guess I think their concern is like you're in the store and and or not in the store, but like you're going to take your little Timmy throwback, little Timmy, <laughs> your um, little Timmy. To, Yep, to go get Animal Crossing, and then you happen to turn on the news right before walking out the door, and they're like, oh, so the Biden camp just set up an island in Animal Crossing, and there's not going to be – Nintendo says they don't endorse it, and it's a completely independent thing. They just talk about, look at how Animal Crossing's so charming with Paul, with like Biden in it now. 
So, like, it's hard for Nintendo to get their side of it out necessarily in every single instance. That's the only reason I get that one. Um, the others are stupid. <laughs> so, I guess, uh, well, Angel already brought it up, uh, the Smash one. Which, oh, okay, and let me just start off by saying, I do not like Melee. I don't know if either of you two are huge fans of Melee. Oh, nothing for Brock came out. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I'm one of those guys who thinks that every Smash keeps getting better and better. Uh, and people that like Melee just have roast tinted glasses. That game sucks. <laughs> that might have been a little too much. I mean, it, su- it sucks suck is it. extreme. I, yeah. I, we got mileage no, out of it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but... Melee, Melee yeah. was a good game for its time. But come on, you have Ultimate there. Why? Yeah, whatever. It's no Ultimate, right. Um, so there's this yearly invitational called the Big House uh, where yeah. a a large amount of melee probably one of the biggest gather yeah invitations or like the biggest fan tournament well i don't want to call it a fan tournament because at this point it's like if you're in the smash competitive scene that's like a little mini evo essentially sure um and with the pandemic going on everybody obviously has resorted to playing online um and this i don't know i don't know if it's software or it's basically just a plug-in for it's a plug-in melee for the, ROMs. Yeah, for Dolphin or something. Yeah, it's a plug-in for... The, the Dolphin emulator, for those who don't know what yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, called Slippy, which added rollback netcode. Uh-huh. Uh, essentially, essentially allowing for online play. Um, apparently, works way better than Nintendo's stuff on the, on the Switch and Ultimate, so... Uh, I mean, of course it does. Nintendo sucks at online. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody was planning to play online. And then Nintendo just straight up sent out a cease and desist saying like, nope, you cannot do this because you are using a ROM of Melee and you are using this uh, this netcode. And mm-hmm. so then the Smash, uh, the, the big house basically just canceled their Melee. Their, I don't know if they canceled their entire thing or just they, the Melee the thing, portion. Yeah. Oh, they canceled the entire thing. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I think because once they saw Nintendo was watching, they got a little little scared, understandably. That sucks too. Um, Yeah, man, what an out of touch company, man. They are Nintendo. Didn't they argue? um, They were illegally copied versions. Literally free marketing for them. Like, yeah, I think they're doing their best to like keep this game afloat. And Nintendo just kind of. I mean, I I get the whole like. At least kind of get the slippy thing. Like, why they would want to not be associated with, I guess, modding. But it's not like they're doing something about it either. So. And it's not like they're sponsoring the co- the competition. Yeah, that's true. Like, the, the thing that, that throws me off is they were arguing, well, you can't do that because Dolphin's an emulator, which means you're using a ROM, which means it's a legally copied version of the game. And then you're modding that. And, you know, that's our intellectual property and brands, and we don't allow you to do privacy with our property – or not privacy, piracy. So we need to shut this thing down. But the loophole in that, the problem in that is that it is legal in the US, and this is what emulator people use all the time to say they're not pirates. It is legal to make a copy for personal use of your own game under copyright law. It is completely legal, meaning Nintendo's making the assumption all these copies of Melee they're playing are other people's like copied copies it is 
hypothetically possible if they have fewer copies than they do competitors that they could have argued but they don't have the money to go to court but that they could have argued no these are our backed up copies that are legal under copyright law and then we put online thing on top of them so it's not piracy of properties it's if everyone owns a copy of melee this is fair game theoretically well yeah and i think where nintendo decided to get smart about it was was like okay yeah these these are all copies of the game but they're also using slippy like they didn't have yeah. to include the slippy yeah. part at all they could have just been hey you guys are using this on an emulator and that would have been a catch-all but they they threw in that slippy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. slippy uh part just to be like all right for sure you cannot do this um I just think it's completely out of touch, especially with the times, oh, yeah. especially oh, yeah. considering how little they seem to care about about the competitive scene uh, for Smash. Um, I just think it's beyond ridiculous. It's what, what, so insane. What boggles my mind about it is like uh, you both kind of already said this point, but it's free marketing. People may tune into Melee and then may watch Ultimate. If they somehow don't have Ultimate yet, that could sell them on it. And it's not like they're selling Melee. They're literally not losing money on Melee in this situation. No one can buy Melee. It's from 2001. So, like, I don't... I don't even understand, like, I understand, like, the concept of piracy, but I don't even understand what they're, like, what money they're hoping to get back by doing this. You know what I mean? Like, they're not... Yeah, it's, like, literally they're leaving money on the table. It doesn't make... And Sense. and like like you said, it's not like they're they're sponsoring this. Yeah, it's ugh, I just don't get it. It, it. It's it's reminiscent of when they removed melee from Evo. What, what was it? Two years ago. And yeah, they, they had to bring like, back buy it up. back with charity or something. Only yeah. to then become a sponsor and bring it back in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, so, they're <sighs> what a well, company, that brings, man. That, but that brings to us to the other one that's even more of a ridiculous situation. Oh, like, man. Yeah, so so a couple of Twitch streamers got two-day bans. Uh, they're, they're more like suspensions. Twitch just uses the word ban. Um, but they got two-day bans for streaming uh, Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors. That they legally acquired and were legally allowed to play because it was released... Uh, in their in their territory, mm-hmm. but Nintendo decided to not not even just like warn them, like hey, would you would you mind would would you refrain from playing this for a couple more days? Nope, Nintendo just straight up had these people banned. So I have Which, a question about you... that. Does, okay, yeah. Does does Twitch have? an automated system where if a game is being played before release date, it just does this by itself? Or did Nintendo have to actively go find these streams, email Twitch, and go, hey, this game's not out for six more hours. Can you ban them, please? Or is there, like, something in place? Because I imagine when other games leak, they that have second, to That second that. one. No, no. But what Nintendo did was the game was out in Australia for, like, two two days before it was out here in America, and those huh. people got banned. It, they legally purchased this at... Huh. at Okay, yeah, so that's... it's not like Twitch like just accidentally got their time zone switched or something, and they no, have some no, sort of automated system. Okay, weird. Nintendo went out of their way to be to, and what I'm sure Nintendo was thinking was like, well, we don't want to get, we don't want to let spoilers out. You know, mm-hmm. America gets mm-hmm. it two days after. Who cares, dude? Like, oh, it's so infuriating. Yeah. These people got two day bans. Yeah. Two day bans. They can't and. These are I I think they're mainly full time streamers. Like this is their source of income, and yeah. because like somebody must have dropped the ball there, but like 
I don't know how. Oh, it's so infuri- I get. I just get mad thinking about it. It's. it's oh, go ahead. Yeah, go. No, you go. I, I was gonna say it's, it. I feel like the streaming. I feel like game companies don't know how to handle the streaming thing. Because like I I, I no, get no that's that's not that's not true. There are a lot of companies that wouldn't have done this. I don't, oh, I, know I don't mean every company. Nintendo. I don't mean every company. But this isn't the first time, and this isn't going to be the last time. There's some that are very smart about it and actually give the games in advance, and they pay the streamers, and they have them do it. And there are others that like I know they've launched games through like streamers being early adapter uh, adopters, and then kind of spreading the word that way. Ubisoft did that with their uh, shoot arena sh- uh, battle royale shooter. City Project um, Red will will like straight up. I think straight up, whenever you buy a game, it comes with a little insert that says, hey, do whatever you want with the game. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Stream it. Make videos of it. Go buck wild. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of companies get but there's definitely a subset of companies that don't because this is not the first time this has happened. I remember Atlas used to put out these intricate guidelines of like, here's what you can stream starting what day to avoid spoilers, even though it's games you purchase in a store on your own, not review yeah. copies. And oh, then like, I don't know if you remember that. Well. Jesus. And do you remember that Stadia exec recently who was saying like, I'm just going to read the quote because I, I pulled this knowing we'd be talking about this. The real truth is the streamer should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should buy. A, they should no. be buying a license like any real business and pay for the content they use. That received such backlash that Google itself disagreed with their own executive statement publicly. And it's just like there's definitely a subset of companies and Nintendo being more traditional. Speaking of things that people don't want to pay for, this the Stadia guy. Oh yeah, seriously. But um, but I no, there's definitely some like, in the mail yesterday for free, right? From YouTube yep, Premium for free because yeah. they really want this thing to to take off. Take off, yeah. But like, there is this subset of companies that, like, if you think about it from a company's perspective, they want to sell their game. They know one way to sell it, and someone that's putting all the video on online, or you know, I know multiple people who are like, I'm not going to buy Age of Clammy. I didn't really dig the demo, but I am going to watch all the cutscenes on YouTube. Possibly if that wasn't an option, they'd still buy the game. But what everyone seems to not be understanding, which is driving me crazy, kind of like it's driving you crazy, Kevin, is more people will get some exposure to the game through all this and offset the number of people who aren't going to buy the game because they just go watch the cutscenes. Like it's still a net win for these guys. It's still and- getting the game out in more diverse ways, in more diverse like street – like, you know, it – it's still a net win. Like, why can't they understand that? In in, in this situation, what, what's even more ridiculous is, like, Nintendo, sure, oh, we want people to avoid spoilers. But it wasn't like these people were actively trying to spoil the game. They were just playing the game that they legally purchased mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. in their own territories. Did did Nintendo just forget to flip a Switch? Or, no, that, that, no, that, that didn't happen, now that I think about it, because they wouldn't have put out these bans. Unless it was, unless there is a back end that these companies work with Twitch on, and someone flipped the switch too soon, or didn't flip a switch, or something. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think. Because like I, I, I don't know. I just have trouble believing that there's just one like guy at NOA that's like, well, for this game, we're gonna ban early. You know, so many get like Pokemon a year ago was streaming in advance a couple days, and no one banned that. So either Nintendo's like quote unquote wising up, you know, it's a dumber move, or like it was just some rogue lawyer on their legal team that's just like oh, and sent off an email. I don't know, but it's it's the wrong move for sure. Because like, and and what what sucks is that some of these people received their two day bans, and then the game was released everywhere, and these guys were still banned. Like come yeah, that's on, even worse. Come yeah, that's on. Weird. 
but it, it, it yeah, it's interesting because it's like you know you have as you know I was talking about expectations before. Like there is an expectation that once you get a game, you do whatever you want with it. It's all fair game, no pun intended. But it yeah, it seems like in a weird way, you don't. It's not yours, even if it's yours. It's and and I think the article that we linked that that we will link to, um, says that Nintendo just might have. Uh, a ban on streaming in place until the game launches worldwide, which mm-hmm. sure, but why not say that before the game releases? How yeah. hard is it? How hard is it for Nintendo to just be like, "Hey, uh, just don't don't stream this. Uh, we you will get banned. We just you know we're just waiting until the game launches everywhere." Yeah, like how hard is that? It's not. It's, I mean, Atlas is able to put out five-page documents of exactly what you can stream when, or at least they did a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they could do that, Nintendo could make a tweet. Make uh, a tweet. That's not the right word, so but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's another example of just an, an out-of-touch company that uh, mm-hmm. that just doesn't get get online. Yeah. You, you, have, you have this Twitch thing. You have the big house trying to go online. It's so sad. I just I just wish that they wised up to to this stuff already. Which which makes it kind of for me kind of funny that like all that's happening and then like Animal Crossing's up for best multiplayer in the game awards. Like it's just kind of like there there's such a duality of Nintendo where they get it for some stuff and they completely do not get it for other stuff. And it's the same internet. <laughs> like it's just like like they don't understand I guess the subcultures of it fully. Which, yeah. you know, big conservative Japanese company, there's some logic of how they don't under. There's some – it's reasonable to assume they'll be late to the game, but, like, this is bad. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, hopefully they learn their lesson from all these things and the blowback because I know, like, even, like, Hungry Boxer Smash thing, you know, he's the biggest Melee player, like, name recognition-wise, and he's like, oh, Melee's done now. And I don't know if Nintendo wants to completely kill that because it is a feeder into the ultimate scene, so – Right. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe maybe they'll listen. I mean, the last time that Hungrybox complained about Nintendo not supporting Melee, they started to sponsor tournaments, so you never know. But uh, the Game Awards, I did mention that. Um, oh. That's kind of our final topic of this episode before the big contest details. The closest uh, thing we have to, quote-unquote, legitimizing gaming, I guess. Well, there's a few. There's DICE Awards. There's GDC Awards. Or, well, sorry. The awards aren't called the DICE Awards. They're at DICE. They're the Acam- Interactive Academy of Arts and Science Awards. Um, feel but pretty, the Game Awards are definitely the most mainstream. And they... What was that, yeah. Andrew? No, I think like the DICE Awards feel pretty legit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so they announced the Game Awards, which are kind of like the mainstream ones, I guess. Uh, they come out. They will air on December tenth. But we have the nominations, the nominees for every category. And Kevin, I think the big takeaway here is you have good taste. Hey <laughs> like yo. all the games you've talked about all year, Hades has eight nominations. Uh, Carol is nominated for best indie. I mean, yeah, Fortnite is on, and Apex and a few others are on. Uh, best ongoing. Ghost of uh, Tsushima has seven nominations. Final Fantasy Remake, uh, Final Fantasy Seven Remake has six nominations. Last of Us Two has ten nominations. Um. Yeah, it's like your basically your games, Kevin, are all doing well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's cool. On the Nintendo side, it's a little quieter, but Animal Crossing did get through. Well, obviously Hades 
that's on Switch, and that got, you know, Game of the Year, Game Direction, Narrative, Art Direction, Score Music, Performance in uh, Logan Cunningham, who I think is the main voice actor, yeah. uh, Best Indie, Best Action. Um, but Animal Crossing is the other big Switch story. That got three awards – or sorry, three nominations, Game of the Year, Family Game, Multiplayer. Uh, multiplayer is weird yeah. because I always hear that the multiplayer side of Animal Crossing is, is unfortunately, it's a worse aspect. In terms of... In terms of mechanics, I guess? So... I, mean, I guess they don't really give you anything to do. You kind of have to make it all up yourself, I guess. Well, so that's, yeah. that's, that's why I find it interesting about this nomination. I don't know if our definition of multiplayer as a traditional idea is how it got nominated honestly i think when they say multiplayer they mean something that you can interact with other friends on right no, no, usually no, that no, means no, death no, match no, or doing that, things together or... no that's that's definitely how how i see it I, yeah of course it, this isn't going to have death match can you imagine tons of little villagers just massacring <laughs> Dude, each other crossing battle right out. No, no 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 but what i mean is like they're saying if you're talking about a game that multiple people can experience together right and interact with one another I don't know why making patterns for your friends doesn't count. I don't know why going to their island to just look around and see what sure, they've done doesn't sure, count. Sure, but like, I'm saying I'm saying the weird stuff like like if somebody disconnects you or like booted off completely from like that's just like, eh. yeah. I but I don't know around. like yeah. It's it's only the host that disconnects that will boot. Yeah, like like nothing nothing tra- like nothing trans uh, transfers over to your to your island if if you're just visiting like. Well, I think I think it kind of boils down to honestly um, the same way that got game of the year, which is: are we talking about the um, the like actual like net code or like the implementation or the well, obviously the implementation matters, but are we talking about the idea and how that's implemented or like the net code? Because like if you look at game of the year, Animal Crossing kind of sticks out there too. It's almost being nominated more for like what it achieved in the zeitgeist than it. It's like it's. Let me back it up. I think Animal Crossing being Game of the Year actually makes a ton of sense. It's a very inclusive game. It brought like being it's, Game it's, of the Year or being nominated, uh, winning. Okay. Here's why. I think it makes a lot of sense because Animal Crossing is in a very unique lane of its own. It's a it has appeal beyond just the enthusiast crowd by the millions, and it set out the dev set <laughs> by out by the millions by the millions. No, but I, the I dev set out the gusto to, you said that with. Yeah, but the devs set out to create this like inclusive, like kind of homey experience where you can go and do homies. stuff and hang out with friends, and it's all super polished, and it achieves exactly what it's set out to do in spades. Hold and uh, okay, keep keep going. And you know, like it's not necessarily the most cinematic thing, but the devs were like, "We're gonna," and you know, there's a lot of people that were saying, "Oh, but it's less content than New Leaf." Like we were talking about that earlier. Or, oh, like it's not as like deep of a game in this way or that way as some of the other nominees but ultimately it was the game of its time right like it was the thing that created an experience where people could engage with it and each other through an interactive format extremely well and it was well received and it was polished and a lot of attention to detail and it was really like they thought through their vision and implemented on it and i feel like multiplayer excluding if your host drops out um, the idea was here's an experience, it's a communal thing where you can share stuff, you can go see people's islands, you can do things together, and it executed well the idea of a virtual space where you can basically hang out. And that doesn't, MySpace, in my mind, me what? 
MySpace, if you will. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but in my mind, that doesn't mean that like if the netcode boots you really because your host MySpace. left, it, it's in a way it's like Second Life almost. <laughs> uh, it's more of a Second Life, honestly, um, or PlayStation Home. Wow. But uh, you know, if if the netcode boots you because your host left, I don't know if that like, like disqualifies it from from no, no and you're and you're absolutely right. My, here, yeah. here's my here's my response to to everything sure. that you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His retort. Do you think that it would st- it would still deserve Game of the Year if it hadn't been for the pandemic? Do you think that it would have gotten nominated if it weren't for the pandemic? Uh well, here's a question for you: Does an award because because you because you said it yourself? It's literally got it literally got nominated because of the zeitgeist, right? Does an award? For a movie, a show, an album, a game, live in a vacuum. I don't think they ever do. I think in this situation it does. Because you're specifically talking about a game that hit because of a pandemic where everybody was sort of forced to stay indoors. Or not forced, mm-hmm. but, you know, told to stay indoors. Um, if this hadn't happened, then yeah, you remove it completely and then like a different game is going to get it. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it. Uh, I I haven't played it. I didn't like some of the changes that they made with the game compared to right. some of the older uh, sure. some of the older games. Um, I just find it strange that uh, how do I explain this? I don't know. I just I just find it strange that that um as you said because the the way that it lives in a vacuum, um. Or the way that it shouldn't live in a vacuum is one of the reasons that it should be – it should get Game of the Year. Well, because think about it. It as – as a game that has impact, right? Because a game – so you make a game and you put it out, right? And one person buys it on Steam. Ten people buy it on Steam. It's not going to come anywhere near these awards. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. But my point is like there is an element of how the game's received and played that affects if it – shows up on these lists right but and by Animal that Crossing, logic by that logic it's like this is just straight up a popularity contest and not not that it was the best game well on some level there is look at the oscars that, look at anything look okay, how many hold, times hold, the hold, oscars hold. like sure uh because uh, there's also one more thing or, or keep going keep well no no say your, say your, no say uh, no i literally have to look something <laughs> Go, keep oh okay keep sure. vamping. <laughs> okay yeah no what i was gonna say is like if you like honestly like Think about all the times that – and people are always rolling their eyes. But think of all the times like a movie about Hollywood wins an Oscar. Like there's of course a little bias there, and there's of course a little dependency on what happens in the world. And obviously on the flip side of that coin, you could say, well, Endgame didn't win a uh, best Oscar and it was the most popular movie of all time. Right, because the, the scale gets you in the conversation basically. Okay. And I'm saying that once you're in the conversation, in the case of Animal Crossing, because of the – it had because of how it was received by those millions of people because of what set out to do and executed on successfully it has a real shot i think it should get like i mean we obviously for us games have a certain definition because we're the enthusiast crowd but think of all the people that played animal crossing way more hours than angel and i did but does that make way more and found it to be such a rewarding experience but wouldn't care about Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, whatever. And that's not saying those games aren't good or this game's good, but like 
just because we resonate gravitate towards one game doesn't mean that Animal Crossing did not extremely well execute the thing it set out to do. And ultimately, you're kind of rewarding that, right? Like you're rewarding a game. It had a mission statement. So, so the Game it Awards succeeded on it. Says, says that Game of the Year is recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Yeah. Would you I'm agree just... that Animal Crossing hits both those marks? I would say it depends on how you define technical. Are you defining technical as a spec race or are you defining technical as the execution of uh, like the gameplay mechanics within? Uh, creative, both. creative wise, both. Both. you know, they set out to make an island. Technical, I, I'd say technical. The gameplay, the systems work well and like extremely well. The the whole, it's all very well thought through, and the it maximizes the specs of the system it's on. Because if <laughs> if you're saying techn, if you're saying technical means spec race, Hades should not be in the running for game of the year either. Mm, I don't agree with that. I'm not saying that that. Animal Crossing isn't a technical marvel. I mean, obviously it's not, but... Well, a marvel is a bit extreme. <laughs> but, like, I guess what I'm saying is... Well, you, well, you, ne- you, well neither you, is Hades. You're right. But I guess what I'm saying is it's not like it has to... You balance them, right? It's like you, they're on a scale. So does one thing exceed the other? Do those together create a better package than something else for whoever they decide... Is I guess we that, just like think differently in, in... Yeah, I think so. It's you're more talking about, I guess, like exactly what you said. It's the zeitgeist. It, it was, well, it, was the, the it was the talk of the town. I don't think it's just that. I what I'm saying is I think Animal Crossing. We are sort of in a tunnel vision collectively because we are gamers. Okay, well, how about how about this? Uh, Last of Us Part Two had a lot of talk surrounding it. It was probably one of the most controversial games of this year. Um, yeah. So because of that, doesn't that also have a huge shot at winning game of the year? Because, I absolutely because think it because does. it created this conversation about about narrative oh, in video games. Uh, I would say it definitely does, and because it's extremely well executed. I don't think any of the games aren't deserving of it. I'm just saying Animal Crossing certainly in my mind up there because it uh like I honestly it's a really let me pull up the list. It's a really solid list this year. I mean it's it's Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, um, Last of Us Part Two, Hades, Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal is maybe the weakest of the bunch. Doom, here, but yeah, it's a, Doom, Doom Eternal was definitely the weirdest one out of the right. Bunch. Yeah, no, but like honestly, it's a really good list. We had a lot of really good games this year, which is even more crazy when you think about like the dev delays and everything due to the pandemic. Tsushima is also a little weird, but but um, my point is, I guess we're we seem to. I'm saying we have a bit of a tunnel vision collectively as our enthusiasts of games where we're like oh a game is defined as this right and it means this thing and that thing and the next thing i think what the game awards are basically saying with animal crossing on there is you know there is this entire audience of people that these games can appeal to and this one did like crazy and it executed very well on the vision to get those people interested and those people were interested and it plays well and it does well like everything it's out to do it achieved and then some so it's as deserving. Just because it's not the lane that we tend to think of as like the big marvels, it did its thing and it did it very, very well. And I think that's kind of where they're coming from. Because like even Fall, like Fall Guys has a bunch of nominations, right? Not Game of the Year, but it's on a bunch of Among spots. Us. And that's like I thought that game wasn't yeah. Among Us is from two years ago, but they're saying, well, it didn't really, it didn't really have an audience till now, so you couldn't really play it because no one was well, playing it. So like, there's all these like weird nuances. I mean, I know it's not an it, official right? rule, but usually I think of like Game of the Year being 
usually the only one that has to uphold the year thing, and all the other well, ones are Among Us isn't up for Game of the Year, so you're okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah, 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 that's right. But I, mean, I always felt like every other category was just, I guess, like whichever ones felt they got that nod that year. Although yeah, in theory, I... that could also mean if something. I mean, they do have an ongoing category, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I think like, yeah, I just think like you know we there is such a huge group of people that were so receptive to animal crossing and it set out to get those people and it got those people <laughs> and they put in thousands of hours bad in that context i think it's well, very yeah, but my weird point that is like, it's... it got a it got a game of the year nod for what you're saying it's it had a vision and executed it but then it didn't get best game direction uh best i game thought direction. that was really weird too Not to me. be honest because, so th- honestly that makes me think that it's not going to win. New Horizons, well, not only is it not going to win, but it was literally only voted in just to be, just to be like, just to throw it a bone, Absolutely. honestly. Well, I mean, they could have done that with multiplayer and, to, and family to be To be like, uh, to be like, uh, oh, it was a, it was an honor just to be nominated kind of thing. We see you kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. And I, I don't necessarily disagree that that's what they're doing. I'm just saying now that it's there. <laughs> like, I could see why it would be nominated in a legitimate context, but I think you're right. There's some element of, well, that was the game this year. We have to include it. And, you know, you could put in Best Family Game, which is basically the Nintendo... Actually, it's normally the Nintendo category. This year, Crash and uh, Fall Guys and Minecraft all snuck in there. The last couple of years has been on Nintendo, but that's like the only other place Nintendo has first-party nominations. Paper Mario's in there. Mario Kart Live's in there. Um... So yeah, Animal Crossing could have been there and it could have called it a day, but I think, yeah, it's somewhat due to the zeitgeist and the fact that there were so many people that put so many hours into something that was executed as well. They're kind of like, well, yeah, it should probably – it's not really what we would call a game of the year, but it is kind of a game of the year and they probably put it in. But I personally think it is deserving of it. It's also like it really – like think of the type of people that are playing – like not that this necessarily means it should win it, but it's such a diverse coalition of people that are playing it that are not typical gamers and like are obsessed with it. Like, it's really, it really, like, was kind of one of those, like, uh, Blue Ocean-y games for Nintendo, which they haven't done in forever. Yeah. And it wasn't even aimed at those people in a direct way. It was kind of a broad shot, and then it worked out. Thanks to the um, part. Okay. Well, but that's my, the, the real surprise to me in this whole list is somehow Pokemon Cafe Mix got nominated for Best Mobile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of cool, because it is pretty fun, but I didn't think it would ever make the list. Um, Likewise, how much time huh. do we have? Does anybody have to go? Like, off the show? No. What, what were we going to say? Uh, you guys want to do predictions? And Let's then compare uh, compare them? Okay. Do, so so uh, only, are we only doing the categories that Nintendo's involved in at this point? Or third-party games on Nintendo? Or do you want to do all of them? Uh, if, if, if there's a Nintendo game on there, we will... If, if one of the games okay. released on it... Uh, Okay. Uh, we'll do Does it. everyone have a list of all the? Topics? Yeah, I, I've got the website pulled up. I do not. Okay, so <laughs> if there's anything on a Switch on that list or on mobile, that's Nintendo. We'll, yes, exactly. We'll so, so yeah. essentially, what you want to win and what you think will win. How about that? Okay, that sounds okay. good. And write these down, and we'll. Yeah, I, I've got a note, notepad. Cool. Uh, so we'll we'll figure out something. Whoever gets the most wrong has to do something. Uh, and we have two episodes to figure it out. Uh, it'll be the episode after our next one of Ram Nintendo. So we'll next episode announce what the punishment is. Okay. So uh, so best multiplayer, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, and Valorant. Angel, who do you want to win? I already forgot the nominees. Animal Crossing, Among <laughs> Us, Call of Duty, Fall Guys, Valorant. 
I don't know. I, I think I would actually have to think about these because I haven't really played most, like, 80% of everything nominated. I mean, that's fine. Neither have I. It's just, it's just yeah, same. It's just predictions. It's, it's just, like, what do you think will win? You, you want me to go first while you think? It's going to be yeah, who's the go best at guessing, I guess, okay. at this point, then. Realistically, well, it's not guessing. It's kind of uh, reading the room, I guess you could say. Okay, fair. Um, as much Valorant. as I was saying I like... As much as I was saying I like what Animal Crossing... Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know anything about Valorant. I don't know where it lies in the cultural normal, how people... Well, you know so that Among Us so and Fall Guys are the pop. Which game do you want to win, then? <laughs> I mean, if I knew more about Valorant, it could have been that one, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> do you, have you never done, like, an Oscar pool, Angel? <laughs> um, these, are the brother, this these, these are the brothers... <laughs> the, uh, this is one of the brothers that is like, oh, why do people... Why do people, like... What what did what did Elvis say that just like had my blood boiling? Oh, he was like, uh, "Predictions are useless because uh, I, I forgot what he said." But I want to <laughs> slap your brother so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're fun. That's the key thing. So, all right, oh, I'm, I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying, no, I, I know, think, I know. No, I, I I specifically say that rumors are stupid, or that spreading rumors and discussing some rumors. But predictions can be fun in their own way. I mean, it's just. Thought exp- they're, they're just thought experiments. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But um, Jason, so if you want a second to think, Angel, I can go first. Yeah, I'll give you more than a second, just because. Okay, as like, much as I think, I want to actually Crossing... give a decent prediction or at least a thought outside of like, yeah. As much as I think Animal Crossing, um, as much as I think Animal Crossing is kind of deserving of it, realistically, it's going to go to Fall Guys, and I think Among Us is worthy of it. But I think because it's two years old, it's not going to get it. So, so you want, so you want Animal Crossing to win? I, th- I, you think I think I want Fall Guys. Animal Crossing or Among Us to win because both of them really like brought in people. You got to choose people. one. That's it. You get, you can't be like, oh, they. I want them all to win, and then uh, just listen, get the point. I, kumbaya, man, kumbaya. Uh, yeah, Fall Guys will win. Among Us should win. Even though I um, really like Among Us should win? It came out of nowhere and completely, like, yeah. Okay. Actually, no. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sticking with that. But Fall Guys will win. Fall Guys will win. Okay. Angel, do you have any idea yet? Um, no, let's just go with Fall Guys. Fall Guys for is going to win. Oh. Yeah, Fall Guys Not win. what you want to win. Oh, what I want to win. Um, yeah, let's give it a Fall Guys again. Fall Guys, Fall Guys. Okay. Uh, I'm saying... I feel like Among Us has a really good chance. Out of all of these? Uh, I don't know. I guess Fall Guys and... Fall Guys, I want to win. But I think it might go to Among Us. <laughs> the inverse. Of me. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yep. Uh, so then, let's see what's... I don't remember if Chimera Squad... Okay, Best Family. Animal Crossing. Uh, Best Family, Animal Crossing, Crash 4, Fall Guys, Mario Kart Live. Mario Kart Live, really? Huh. Minecraft Dungeons and Paper Mario. Alright, caveat. Paper Mario should be nominated for Best Music because it is a really good soundtrack, but it didn't get it. So, um, just saying that. But Animal Crossing should and will. Okay, so... Animal Crossing for both. Yeah. That's going to be the award it actually wins. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, Game of the Year no... probably won't happen. As much as I want it to, for the reasons I already explained, realistically, this is the one category is going to win. Angel? 
Um, Animal Crossing both. Animal Crossing both. Yeah, I think that one's pretty much the sure. most locked in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Okay, so there's technically one fighting game that was on the Switch. But best Mortal fighting Kombat game, <laughs> uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, Mortal Kombat 11, uh, Street Fighter Five, One Punch Man. Which why I heard is that, game, that on the... I heard, I heard that game was terrible. Yeah, why is yeah. it here? It's like when they did um, the Jump game a couple years ago randomly as a nominee. Yeah. And uh, Under Night in Birth uh, EXE, Late Bracket CL-R and Bracket. Anybody want to go first? Um, I'm going to do what I do. This is not how I vote in elections, I swear. If I don't know anything, I'm just going to pick the name that's most familiar. So I'm going to go with Mortal Kombat 11. Although uh, it's really not – well, actually most of these are like – because Mortal Kombat 11 is just an upgrade of last year's as a Street Fighter fighter. I'm just going to go with um, Grand Blue Fantasy. Yeah, I'm going to go with Grand Blue because it's both. actually a new fighter. Yeah, For both, really? Sure. Um, it, it's kind of hard. I, I feel like none of my, um, none of my picks are have any kind of weight to them unless I actually know everything about all of them. This is how I feel. I put uh, Family so Guy instead of Family Game. God damn it, Family Guy. <laughs> so I'm just gonna pick you. And award goes to because it feels like the most Final interesting of these five to win. To win. Well, for both. I'm just, I'm just picking one because uh, to me okay. the same at this Jason? point. Jason? For um, a fine game? Yeah. Uh, let's just do Grand Blue Fantasy, yeah. I'm doing Grand Blue Fantasy because I actually <laughs> played the game and that game's really, really fun. Ooh, See, look at right that. One. We're all on the same page. It's as if we played it too. <laughs> to be fair, I have not played uh, Mortal Kombat 11. But I'm sure it is a hell of a game. Uh, best role-playing? Nothing... So technically, Genshin is on here, and Genshin is going to be released on the Switch. As Maybe eventually, probably. Okay, well, <laughs> we could we could skip that, I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh, best action: Doom Eternal, Hades, Half Life, Alex, Neo Two, Streets of Rage Four. I think you guys uh, already know what I'm going to pick here. Yeah, Hades. From everything you've told us, I'm going and considering Wait, it has action. the most. Oh, I'm looking at action adventure. And considering uh, Hades These are not in the has... same order that you guys are looking at them. So I'm Hades going from bottom eight. bottom up. I'm just skipping around website. as you say them. Hades has eight total nominations. It's the second most nominated game, so I feel like it will very likely get best action. You skipped best action adventure then. No, He's I'm going, going in a different order. Oh, Wait, I there, see, I there's see. nothing. there's nothing on the Switch on best action yeah, adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ori and the... Yeah, Ori and the World of Wisps. That's on the Switch? Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Oh, okay, best action uh, adventure. <laughs> well, first, best uh, action. Let's finish that. Ghosts. Let's finish best action. Okay. We already talked about it. Uh, Hades for me, obviously. Yeah, Hades, based on what you've said. I've heard very good things about Half-Life. Surprisingly decent things about Streets of Rage 4, but no, it's going to be Hades. Angel? Seems like it's going to be Hades. Uh, okay, best uh, action adventure. Uh, everything I've seen online seems to point to Miles Morales getting it. The, oh, we forgot to read the nominations. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Ori and the Will Wisps, Star Wars Jedi, Fallen Order, and Last of Us Part Two. Oh. So... I think it's, it's going to be Miles. Jason, what do you want to win? And what do you think will actually win? Miles, Miles? Miles. Miles, Miles. Angel? 
Um, Thawworth, Jedi Fallen Order, it's going to win. Interesting. Hmm. Picking the one I think will most likely not win. I'm that's not how this works, but okay. Um, yeah, that's I don't, kind of I, actually, uh, kind of the opposite actually, of the premise. Actually, I, I don't <laughs> and know. I know for um, a fact that you've played at least two of these. Yeah. Two of them? Oh, yeah, I did. Last of Us and... And Ghosts. Um, you weren't for Sony. Probably... <laughs> that's why he can't say it. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because the ones I've heard, I feel like the most buzz about, I guess... Or two that I guess I technically played. I don't know. I'm gonna give it a Ghost of Tsushima. I feel like I have a feeling it's gonna be one of the ones I haven't played. This is what my Ghost. gut says. Oh, yeah. for for a game that you want to win? Um, for both. Oh, Ghost and Ghost. Okay. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Uh Oh, I want more than Miles Morales to win. That's right. Wait, you want Miles? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> You're really bad at this. <laughs> I, I say that with the utmost respect, Angel, but you're okay. really bad at this. <laughs> Having not played it, but replaying uh, Spider-Man Remastered, I'd want Miles Morales to win, but I think Last of Us 2 probably has it. I feel like Last of Us is going to take all the narrative stuff and direction, but maybe not action adventure. Just I'm guessing they're going to divide it. Divide yeah, it, direction but... probably yeah. Gets, gets it. Okay, uh, we are did best action. Uh, innovation accessibility. Nothing for uh, Nintendo. Nothing on there. Although Last of Us Part Two has, I think, should win because that game has really oh, yeah. awesome accessibility support. Yeah, yeah. Everything you uh, say about it when your pressure was great. Do you want to do best community support? Uh, none of them are. I, Fortnite. Man. I feel like yeah, I don't play we'll, any of them enough we'll, to regular. We'll skip that, I guess. Yeah. Best. Do you want to do best mobile game? Well, here's the thing. So Pokemon Cafe Mix is on there, and that's a very enjoyable game. Um. Surprisingly, remember how my doubts going into it and it ended up being pretty good. Uh, honestly, that's got to be Among Us. Among the us, categories, yeah. by the way, are us, uh, or the nominees are Among Us, Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legends of Run Runeterra, which I've never even heard of, and Pokemon Cafe Mix. Um, Among Us. Among Us, yeah. I kind of want Cafe Mix to win just for the upset, and because I really do like those little Pokemon in their little chef hats. But it's gonna be Among Us. Among Us. Yeah. Among Us all Among across us. the board. Yeah. As yeah. much as. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say I, I would want Genshin to win, but I'm pretty sure Among Us is going to take it. Uh, so then, what's up afterwards? Best Indie, Carrion, Fall Guys, Hades, Splunky 2, Spirit Fair. Oh, man. Uh, wow. That's a, that is a three of those, or two of those. It's really going to be between Fall Guys and Hades. Carrion, I know you loved and talked about uh, on the show here. Splunky 2, you know, the, the sequel, so I feel like it might not. Like, I feel like oh, indie man. game they're going to give to something new. Or no, that's what debut game's for. Never mind. I think Spiritfarer um, has a good chance of winning. I think he has a decent chance too, but I really think it's going to come down to Hades or Fall Guys. It really depends on if they want to give Hades the sweep or if they want to like – like theoretically, if Hades gets any other awards, it should get best indie game as well. Like if it gets like game of the year or anything like that. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's game of the year. No, but, but they're not going to announce a game of the year at the top. Oh, no, 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 but no, but what I'm saying is like theoretically, if you call it best uh, best game of the year, oh, it's also by definition best indie game. Yeah, uh, but that's not usually how these work, which again goes into the whole this isn't science. Um, I'm gonna say Hades though. I think I think it has a really good chance of sweeping. Hades for both for yeah, what you want to win. So. And I, I think so. Angel, I guess I would want Fall Guys to win, even though I haven't played it. I just like the aesthetic more, but it feels like everyone's talking about Hades, so that just seems like 
I'd put my money on that, I guess. Uh, yeah, Hades, Hades for me, obviously. Even though Fall Guys is a hell of a game, Carrion is a hell of a game, Splunky 2 is a hell of a game. The only one that I didn't play on here was uh, Spirit Fair. <laughs> None of them but I, I heard the cameos, so... Except I heard Fall very Guys. good things about it. And Sonic. Sonic also cameos in Fall Guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Best yeah, ongoing, we can skip that. Games for Impact, no. Best for Performance, I we can skip that. Yeah. I mean, though I, we we all would have to play. Well, you guys played all the nominees actually, in some combination. Yes. Of you, at least. Yeah. I, uh, that personally, I'd probably give to Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I, I think Last of Us is going to sweep all the cinematic related ones. Like anything that's like more of a movie thing, like you know, performance or uh, direction or even like sound design, if that's even a category, that's all going to be yeah. Audio best design. score in music. Do you guys want to do that one? That's tricky because I haven't heard any of them. Yeah, we, <laughs> so we, 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 yeah, we, yeah, we I couldn't that. really. Same with art direction on some level. Yeah, I art direction, like. best narrative. We skip that. Best game direction. I guess. I think best game debut game is an interesting one. Did you get to that one yet? Mm, um, no, that was like one of the very first ones. Uh, there's oh, some okay. When, game when on you it? get there. Well, there's Carrion. There's Mortal Shell. There's uh, Raji and Ancient Epic. And there's Roki. And there's Phasmo. I, mo, Phas- Phas- Phasmophobia. Thank you. Yeah, I know right, that well, one. Let's has do some best clap. debut, I guess. I, you know, it's funny because I was gonna say I would say Roger, but it's the only one I played on there. And honestly, technically speaking, the game has some issues. It's very good thematically, and it's and it's a very clever sort of uh, like way for the Indian uh, game dev scene to kind of like have a coming out. But it isn't the best game. Uh, I've heard good things about Phasmophobia and Mortal Shell. I think Phasmophobia is developed by one guy. Yeah, I think Phasmophobia might take it for that reason then. And like Carrion, I'm, I'm, I, I, everything you said about it sounds great, but I'm honestly kind of surprised it was that good that got best debut game. Uh, so you're saying Phasmophobia is going to take it? I think so. What do you, but I would, what do you want to win, Raji? Just because it's the only one I played, and I gotcha. appreciate that. Oh, you know, they, they literally like sold their apartments to make it happen. So totally. Like, put it. like that'd be a really great little like story for them to yeah. have of you know rags to riches. Angel. Um. You don't really have a horse in this race, I don't think. But I don't think so. No, I haven't played okay. any of them. I mean, I'm just gonna say, Carrion as what I want as what will win. I, I, you know what? I'm just gonna go against the grain. I'll just say Raji. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I think that takes us all the way to game of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, best game. I guess best game direction. But ah, there's only one game that was on on there from the Switch. But but still, you guys played a bunch of these. There's Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half Life, Alex, which weirdly isn't up for game of the year, and Last of Us Part Two. What, Did where, I ever I mean, spoil Kevin, Final Fantasy VII Remake on the, the podcast? You might have on QC. I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, actually, I don't think you did. That was Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> okay. Best game direction? Oh, man. This is a category you have to decide, Kevin. I'm just I would, you struggle. I would want <laughs> Hades to win, but I think Last of Us is going to take it. Yeah, I, I think Last of Us has it in the bag. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima? Man, that's such a weird game. It, it, it's... 
and sorry, Angel, and sorry to everybody at Sucker Punch. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is like a very, very, very good six out of ten game. <laughs> Wait, why are you plugged into me? I don't have a. Any I mean, thing. Tell you, well, because that's a sister. That's your sister company. Oh, I mean. I need to apologize. I can, so if it's a very good 6 out of 10, does that mean it's like a 6.5? It's like a... 6.8? I guess. 6.3? 6.4? <laughs> um, okay, and that just takes us to Game of the Year. Game of the Year. Uh, well, you heard my, my pitch about Animal Crossing. I genuinely do think want that to win. I think realistically... Ooh. I could see it going to Last of Us or Hades. You gotta choose one. <sighs> Last of Us. But I want Animal Crossing. I really, I really do think Animal Crossing was like kind of a watershed gaming moment. Angel, because of its vision and how it executed on it, and it had the mm. pandemic to help. But you know, want to win? Guess Animal Crossing. Um, what do you think will win? Gonna win. Probably Last of Us Two. Last of Us. Uh, I would want Hades to win, but yeah, I think that's going to Last of Us. Okay, cool. And remember last year when everyone thought it'd be Death Stranding and it ended up being a uh, site. Who Sike, thought Sike. it was going? Oh yeah, I thought it was going to be Death Stranding. Everyone did. <laughs> Not because it was necessarily the best game, but just because of the, you know, the Kojima just following. The no, it was it was mainly because of the the Jeff. And, uh, well, well, Keeley has nothing shippers. to do with well, Keeley has nothing to do with uh, voting or the awards. It's an independent group of journalists. I know, man. There's a lot of voter fraud out there these days. You know, <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, that's true. Stop the count. Start the count. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see. So next got, episode, we'll come up with what we do. Uh, Seco. Oh, Sekiro. That's right. Sekiro. That's so Sekiro. Weird. I love that yeah. game, but man, that's a that's huh. a weird. Yeah, one. that was last year. Uh, but yeah, so we will next episode, next random Nintendo, we will um, do our bet of what happens to the person that got the most wrong. And also next episode will be our Game & Watch winner announcement, which will be the one last bit of new uh, thing we have to get to is how do you win the Game & Watch? We know all these awards that could be won, but how do you win your Game & Watch? So for those who stuck it out for these two hours, here's how you win. You go to the blog post at randomtown.com. You scroll over the blog post is episode 242, Game & Watch & Talk. You scroll down to the comment box, and you type your favorite Mario memory. Whatever it is, your favorite Mario memory, put it in the comment box. We will choose one person, give them a Game & Watch, announce it next episode, share some of the funnier or more interesting memories, pick our poison for um, who loses this prediction bet, and it's going to be a grand old time in two weeks when our episode hits on December 6th. And before that, next weekend, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we have a new Quarantine Chronicles too. Um, yes, we do. Is it? Yes, we do. Is that there anything? Is true. This, these are all facts. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to cover this episode, or should I can just do the rest of the housekeeping real quick? Uh, no, take care of the housekeeping. All right. So to make sure you don't miss any of that, specifically if you enter, you need to know if you won. So to make sure you don't miss it, you're going to want to follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You're going to want to subscribe to us on all the podcasts app. Well, not all of them. You don't need that many alerts, but one of them. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Our YouTube channel is randomnintendo.com. And yeah, we'll be back on December 6th um, fit with 50 fewer dollars in our pocket, but a gaming watch for all of you. 
And uh, I think that pretty much does it. So, Kevin, for the ninth anniversary, please, the final word. Uh, happy ninth anniversary, random Nintendo.